Welcome to Where the Big Boys Play. Welcome to 20 Years of Nitro, our chronological breakdown of World Championship Wrestling's flagship show, where each episode is analyzed and categorized as we compile an audio anthology of our tour along the southern front of wrestling's Monday Night Wars. I am your host, Tim Root, and with me, <laughs> as always, it's my broadcast colleague, Dave Amantorp. Dave, how are you doing this week? I am doing wonderful. I am just basking in the glory that is day seven of the Public Enemies Tag Team Championship reign. <laughs> Their reign of terror. One that hopefully will last forever. Well, before we get into today's show, I do want to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at 20 Years of Nitro. Of course, you can follow Dave at Dave Amantorp. You can check out the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash 20 years of nitro. And you can email the show at 20 years of nitro at gmail.com. Now, Dave, I'm sure you've noticed, as you can probably see directly in front of you across the table, mm -hmm. uh, we have something unusual today, something that we haven't had for quite some time, not since your brother joined us for some early episodes. Well, that, that was a while ago, too. <laughs> yeah, we're running a three-man booth tonight. We've got a guest. He is local Twin Cities-based indie wrestling referee Rob Page. Welcome to the show, Rob. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. It is a pleasure. Now, uh, Rob, why don't you tell the listeners, the folks at home, uh, what what's kind of your history with World Championship Wrestling? Um, my very first favorite professional wrestler was Sting. That's a lot not a of bad people choice. are fans of Hulk Hogan when they're like four, five, six years old. The first person that I saw on TV was Sting, and so I literally just became a WCW fan because of him, and I that was my show. Like, my buddies were all WWF fans, and I was like, oh, no, you got to check out this WCW stuff. <laughs> it's so much better. <laughs> Granted, this was in, like, 93 when sure. WCW sucked. <laughs> <laughs> so now did you stick with it then through the dark times, the uh, the late 90s, yeah, kind of the I, I downfall watched, era? I watched it until the uh, bitter pill that was March 26, 2001. Now, you were telling me in the car that you actually, uh, your sort of initial foray into wrestling came through uh, a name familiar to WCW diehard fans. Why don't you tell uh, who, who kind of was the first person who, I, I don't want to say broke you in, but sort of got you hooked up with, with everything you needed? Um, it's a man that will be very familiar with WCW fans in the later 97, 98, 99 years of Mr. Lenny Lane. Oh, Lenny Lane. Did you know he was local, Dave? I didn't know that. Yeah, I did. He yeah. owned a video store, I guess. Yeah, he owned he... a video store in the hometown that I grew up in. In like late 2001, 2002-ish. 
Yeah, um, way way back in the day when I was in middle school, he wrestled at my high school. Oh, <laughs> probably okay. like the, like, yeah. like in the gym. Yeah, <laughs> sure. And that was that was like shortly after. Wait, was there a ring? They set up a ring. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. okay, yeah. 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 No, but th- this was like shortly after he was like suddenly off TV. Oh, okay, sure. So he was kind of like he was kind of like a bigger name still. Yeah, uh, because he was suddenly like uh, a valued wrestler that 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 couldn't get employment because of his. <laughs> <clears throat> because of his uh, controversial characters, so <laughs> yeah. I, no, I'm very well aware of Lenny Lane, and I believe he re- he runs a wrestling promotion somewhere too, like Steel City Wrestling or something kind of generic oh, okay. sounding like sure. that. I can't remember what it's called, but he has he has a wrestling promotion somewhere around here too. Well, he had a wrestling or promotion had around. yeah. Oh, he moved down to Florida a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. I actually became fairly good friends with him over the years. Okay, and, like he was just he was just a dude. He always had, we had many a car ride where we talked WCW because well, I he, just wanted to he know. You would know. You would certainly know. <laughs> I just wanted to know some stuff, you know, and he <laughs> was just telling me all these stories. And it was like, uh, it's probably stuff I shouldn't mention on, on here. <laughs> yeah, sure. But right. he was a cool guy. Yeah. Lenny Lane was, he was all right by me. So in addition to having an early conversation with Lenny Lane that sort of paved the way for you to get into uh into working in the business as a referee. Uh, I know that you've done a lot of Russell Palooza shows and other local shows. You recently uh, refed an NWA World Championship match, which had to have been a lot of fun. Uh, it was awesome. It yeah. was awesome. Nick it Aldis a... and um, Ken, Ken Anderson, Anderson, right? Yep. Yep. Oh. Dream come true. Sweet. Nick Aldis and Ken Anderson. <laughs> but no, not, <laughs> sure. no disrespect yeah. to yeah. them, but the NWA World title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Man. huge. The 10, 10 pounds of gold. And it was 10 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, are there any WCW alums that you have refereed matches for that were particularly notable? Uh, I refereed a match for Disco Inferno there in like 2004. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> and what was Mr. Uh, Gilberti like to work with? Uh, he was fine. Yeah. He, he was actually just, he was cool. He was cool. Uh, Road Warrior Animal. Sure. Yeah. I've worked with. Um, did you do, I know, because I wasn't there at the most recent um, Russell Palooza show. Did you do the Ultimo Dragon match? No, I had I had some issues that kept me out of the ring. Oh, you were taking a, a few months. months off. You mentioned yeah. that. So, okay. But he was very laid back and very cool and respectful. I, amazingly, Dave has not stabbed me to death because Dave got tickets to that show and it got mm-hmm. to the day of the show and I was like, man, I'm just not feeling it. <sighs> I was busy. I didn't know he was going to be on that show at all. I think they hadn't no, announced that. Well, I mean, that was also because um, I really wanted to see Shotzi Blackheart. And oh, and she, she wasn't on the show either. She, she got she, pulled. She pulled at the last Because she moment signed with TNA. Because yeah. she, Impact, right? she yep. went up to yeah. Canada. Yeah. yeah and, and I was kind of like so disappointed. I was like, well, I don't really. Because no. But it's like. If Ultimo Dragon's wrestling, you would think you would have heard of it. Right. A managed by Sonny Ono. Right. <laughs> so I can't believe we missed that. Uh, and then we missed the Fortune Bania. Like we're, uh, we're over to on recent local shows. Yeah, we're we're due. <laughs> that just means we're due. Yeah, that's right. At Starcast, we're gonna meet everyone that we possibly want to meet at Starcast, it's which coming. I will also be at. I will also be at Starcast. I feel I feel like everyone that I am um, because I think uh, Drucifer is gonna be there too. Oh, is he? I don't know that uh, I've ever asked him. Yeah, I think he is. I thought I saw it that uh, that was on there. So pretty much anyone that we know that's on Twitter that like re- likes wrestling is yeah. probably gonna be there. It's gonna be a lot of fun. But before we head into the future and Starcast and All In, 
why don't we instead hop in our DeLoreans and go back to the past? Because today is Monday, September 30th, 1996, and we are coming to you live from the Cleveland State University Convocation Center in Cleveland, Ohio, in front of 4,318 fans who paid a total gate of $52,000. This is the 55th episode of WCW Monday Nitro, and we are continuing the build to Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc in the big WCW world title match between champion Hulk Hogan and the number one contender, the Macho Man Randy Savage. It's, it's still a ways away. I, I just... I. I don't remember it being such a long time between Fall Brawl no. and, and Halloween Havoc. But the other thing is, like, since July, we knew that Randy Savage was going to be in this title match, you know. Back when we were in uh, in Disney, um, they would talk to uh, – Savage did a couple of promos where they mentioned it, like how he made some, like, deal backstage or something like that. Yeah. So this is a, a, this match of, like – Savage versus the champion essentially was how it started, but well, and you, if you remember it, actually even a little further than that, uh, back in January when they did Clash of the Champions at Caesar's Palace, uh-huh. and then they did a, a Nitro there. Yeah, uh, Savage challenged Hulk to a match at Caesar's Palace the next time they were there. Uh, so I... this was actually set up as like part of an agreement with Caesar's Palace. Okay. Like 10 months ahead of when the pay-per-view actually was airs. Was that on TV or was that like... It was, yeah. I, I, I have no recollection of that whatsoever. After the one-man game tonight, I would love to have the first shot at the title, brother. Uh-oh. Here we You've go. You've been watching my back for a long time, and I've also been watching your back for a long time. And you know something? I can't wait till the next lifetime. You get your red and yellow together. My name's not Nick Bockwinkle. I'm not the WCW committee. I'm only the world heavyweight champion. Oh. You get yourself up to the number one spot, and I'll give you a title shot. And I'm looking, look at me. Oh. You just look at me right now, friend. I want to do it right here in Caesar's Palace. Do you understand? It's, yeah, it's like a weird moment because at that point they're both friends and they're both baby faces. And he's just like, tell you what, next time we're here, let's have a match. And the crowd kind of pops and that's about it. And it seems like maybe just a moment where he's riffing and it's not even to come to anything, but it actually was something they had cooked up right. with Slim Jims and Caesar's Palace. He must have said something how they've gone like 10 million miles to hell and back or, yeah. or whatever bizarre <laughs> way he has to describe relationships. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was just him riffing and then they were like, well, crap. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe. We said when we came back, we were doing, oh, no. <laughs> well, we promised the Macho Man. Gosh darn it. Now we got to deliver on this. Ugh. Tony welcomes us to the show and to Cleveland, Ohio, and he and Larry immediately begin arguing as Larry calls Cleveland the mistake on the lake, a pejorative nickname for Cleveland, and Tony defends the honor of the Forest City by pointing out that it is the home of the defending American League champion, Cleveland baseball playing individuals. Yeah. <laughs> we don't use their name on the show. <laughs> not mention what they No. And the Rock and Roll Oh, and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Left unsaid by Tony is that it was Ted Turner's own Atlanta Braves who beat Cleveland in a solid World Series where five of the six games were decided by just a single run. No guys, need to mention that. <laughs> no need to mention that. Do you guys remember that series at all? I that do. was a big World Wasn't Series. Wasn't that uh, that was right after the uh, baseball strike, right? 
Uh, so the strike was 94, so well, like it would be a season or two. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, yeah, I, I do recall the series. It was a big deal in my house because my dad hated both teams for their racist team names. Uh, so he would always curse whichever one was playing in, in the World Series, oh. which was usually the Braves back then. The Braves... Oh and so they always went to the World Series. They would always lose. My dad would always say that it was his cursing them that worked. Yeah. Well, then they went in there against Cleveland, and my dad was like, okay, well, Cleveland's nickname is worse than Atlanta's. <laughs> right. So this one World Series, I'll allow Atlanta to win. And then sure enough, they won. And my dad was like completely vindicated that he had the power to decide <laughs> World Series victories. If only he could have rooted for the Twins a little harder. Right. Yeah, we only got two of them. What the hell, Dad? <laughs> Pops. <laughs> Tony says that Eric Bischoff is going to deliver a response to the NWO after last week's chicanery, and he goes over the NWO takeover, the way they slapped Eric around, and the appearance of the NWO Vroom Vroom racing car. Tony and Larry cast doubt on the NWO's claim that Kyle Petty will be driving the car, with Larry claiming that Petty has too much class to throw in with the New World odor. Do you think he was thinking of Richard Petty? (laughs) (laughs) Well, this was just two weeks after NASCAR fined Petty $5,000 for nearly coming to blows with fellow drivers Jimmy Spencer and Michael Waltrip, something that uh, Kevin Nash kind of alluded to on last week's show. So I'm not sure that he is uh, too classy. (laughs) Yeah, they kind of said, like, this is the perfect driver for us because he got in trouble for fisticuffs, I believe was the way Nash. (laughs) Because nothing says classy like a vroom vroom race car driver. (sighs) Tony gets word that Eric is now at the broadcast table and ready to make his address. All right, thanks a lot, Tony. And you know, I want to make one thing very clear. First of all, you pointed out that, yeah, they slapped me around. Yes, the new world odor, as Larry refers to it, did take over our broadcast booth. But listen, this isn't about Eric Bischoff. This is about the history of WCW and what that represents. This company's roots go back to 1905. Champions like Luthez, Terry and Dory Funk, Pat O'Connor, Dusty Rhodes. The names go on and on. It may not mean anything at all to Hulk Hogan, to the Outsiders, Hall and Nash, to Ted DiBiase, to that 180-pound wimp they call Six. Maybe it doesn't mean anything at all to them, but it does mean a lot of things to a lot of people. It has got to stop. It is going to stop, and it's going to stop now because this company's not going to tolerate it. Not at the corporate level. Not at the level here that all of us work at on Nitro to try to put together a program that people out there can enjoy. It's got to stop because it's not fun anymore. Nobody's entertained by it. The NWO is nothing but dirt bags from the bottom all the way to the top. And yes, that means you, Hulk Hogan. And yes, Eric Bischoff has been accused of making a whole lot of mistakes. And I admit that I have. And my relationship with WCW may have only lasted the last five or six years, but let me tell you something. The one singular mistake I ever made was bringing Hulk Hogan into WCW. And Hogan and the rest of you thugs, because that's all you are, you're thugs. You want to come in here? You want to try to stop WCW? Well, we've worked too hard. We've worked too long. And gentlemen, and I use that word very carefully because it really doesn't apply, but I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Listen to me and listen to me now. It is going to stop. No more. Tony, Larry, take it back. Bischoff starts by saying that, yeah, he was slapped around last week, but this isn't about him. It's about the rich history of WCW and the great champions who have resided there since the group started in 1905. Of course, that 1905 date is extremely dubious, Mm -hmm. as that's when the World Heavyweight Wrestling Championship was created, 
but its connection to the NWA Heavyweight Championship, created when that group was founded in 1948, is murky at best. Right. Mm -hmm. Plus, there's the fact that WCW did grow out of the NWA, but is a separate organization with different titles, with the WCW World Heavyweight Championship being created a mere five years ago in 1991. (laughs) You you should talk about, like, the five years of prestige. (laughs) Champions like Ric Flair and also Ric Flair. Ric Flair, Vader, Ric Flair. (laughs) (laughs) Ron Simmons. (laughs) Uh, but but I, I think we may digress if we start going down that rabbit hole. All right, yeah. <laughs> Bischoff continues as the camera slowly zooms on his face in a very nice touch. Mm-hmm. It kind of adds the intensity and the, the how personally he's taking this. I thought that was really nice. doesn't really help the uh, it's not about me sort of thing. Though. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it true. doesn't. Right. Well, this whole thing is kind of about what a badass he is, too. Right. Like, in a way, that's sort of the promo. Eric says, maybe that history doesn't mean anything to Hogan, Nash, Hall, or that 180-pound wimp they call six, but it does mean something to a lot of other people, and so this is all going to stop now, because WCW will no longer be tolerating it. It's not fun anymore, says Eric. <laughs> what what part of this was fun for him up <laughs> until this point? Probably when he saw Rey Mysterio getting chucked into a <laughs> trailer. That, that was pretty fun. I'd, yeah, I've admit. He goes on to say, nobody is entertained by it. And judging by that second hour ratings drop at last week's episode, he might be right. No, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> he says the NWO is nothing but dirt bags. Ooh. Yeah, I know. Getting he's real. Really <laughs> bringing out the big guns I'll when show it comes you, to insults. You dirt bags. Eric says that people have claimed that he's made a lot of mistakes, and he has. But the biggest singular mistake he's made in the five to six years he's been with WCW was to bring Hulk Hogan in. Hard to. Not argue that. <laughs> I mean, look at the look at the. They actually made a profit last year, for the first time ever. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. That, highest ratings. <laughs> uh, I mean, they're kicking. Yeah, they're kicking WWF's ass. But he sure is unhappy. He brought that Hulk story. Uh, yeah. Really mad. I brought in Hulk and all his friends to help me beat him. <laughs> He calls well, the, well, his friends, yeah. Like, we didn't need Duggan. We didn't need Ed <laughs> Leslie yeah. and everyone else that he brings along with the him. The nasties. The nasties. <laughs> if, it, if it was just Hogan, that would have been one yeah, thing. would have been fine, but yeah, no. Eric says that the NWO are thugs, and they're going to be in control no more. This is going to stop. And then he segues back to Tony and Larry. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm curious... What more does he think he's going to be able to do to stop these guys? Like we've had wrestlers come out and stand guard during the ring mm-hmm. to yeah, keep the, cops the, with the guns. The cops, yeah, the cops are showing up uh, when the NWO had bats. Like there's really nothing other than just saying we're not going to allow you guys to participate in sanctioned matches on our program. Right. Like we're just going to say no. We we book the matches. This is our promotion. Yeah. Or or like. Hogan, you're not champion anymore. Yeah, yeah we strip well, you the strip, title. Strip yeah, that's easy. We, we, we've done that before. <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> so he never really says what he's going to do. He's just like making a mean face and saying, hey, we're this is done. We're over with it. I know it's hindsight, but like watching this for probably the first time in 22 odd years, did anybody else like totally see that as some foreshadowing? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I think. As uh, far, wait, as far as what? As, as far, far as, as his heel turn in like two months. Oh, like I totally saw that as yeah. foreshadowing, and I actually thought it was a really nice touch. 
Yeah, some I think there's been a lot of nice foreshadowing for what's to come with Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I wonder if it's genuine foreshadowing or if it just worked out that like way just... re- retroactively. Yeah. But either way, I mean, in the long term, like way of looking at the story, it, it works really well. Uh, what did you guys think of the promo though? Uh, his his delivery and kind of the the wording therein. Well, I, I thought it was interesting because whenever we've had like uh, like um, an announced like event like that yeah. they've always waited until like the second hour or oh, made, sure. you, made you anticipated yeah and but the fact that they did it right away at the beginning was just it, it kind of threw me off but i think it did that like in a good way yeah where you were like oh this is kind of a different episode like they, they didn't want to get nitro going before addressing the fact that like we we didn't like what happened last week with the nwo and we're not going to put up with it anymore and it kind of it like sets uh, like it kind of sets the stage there for like, so then if the NWO does something to, tonight, what are they going to do about it? Cause they're right. saying like, we're not going to put up with it. Right. So it does, it, it sets up this anticipation of like, uh, of like this potential, like really like heightened conflict between WCW and the NWO. So I did like it. I mean, I, I thought it was kind of goofy about like how it's not about him yeah. because it was totally about him. <laughs> oh, 100%. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I thought it was actually a really good promo. Mm-hmm. I thought it really set the stage for exactly what you were just saying, Dave, that everything that you just said is 100% what I would, what I thought about that promo. I, I actually thought it was really, really well done. Yeah, I thought he was really passionate uh, with his attitude and his word choice, but it all felt very grounded and realistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I uh, I concur with you guys. I thought that was a banging promo, really great way to start mm-hmm. the show. Yeah, and even the fact that like it – even though it seemed kind of scripted, I think that's also appropriate considering his position and his role would be like, if he has something to say that he would probably have a statement. Um, so I didn't, I didn't have any problem with that as far as like it being pretty obvious that like he, it, this was like a thought out thing or maybe he was reading off of something, but yeah, I think right. that, I think that works for the character. So exactly. After the promo, Larry rightly points out that Eric hasn't been able to do anything to stop the NWO thus far <laughs> even being personally on the receiving end of physical attacks last week. Tony can't really argue the point and instead tosses us to the ring and Dave Penzer. <laughs> Juventud Guerrera's music hits, and just like last week, he's doing some opening match tag duty, only this time he's not stuck with someone random like last week's Brad Armstrong. No, this week he's partnered with fellow luchador and native of Juarez, Mexico, El Tecnico, who comes out alongside Hoovy. El Tecnico is wearing red tights with a green stripe down the side and what appears to be a red sweatshirt, plus a mask, <laughs> red on one side and green on the other. Now, Rob, you might know. Uh, Dave, I asked you to try to avoid looking up who uh, this actually is mm-hmm. as El Tecnico. Did you look it up at all or I mean, see it accidentally? I ended up seeing it accidentally, uh, but, okay. but I still have my guess. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Who was your guess before that? Uh, so my guess it was that it was Chavo Guerrero. Okay. Um, after I th- after I said that though, then it was like, well, why would they put him under a mask then? <laughs> yeah, sure. But uh, that was my initial thought was like based on his kind of uh, uh, figure. That sure. It looked it looked kind of like Chavo, so that was my guess. Rob, do you know who it actually is under there? I know who it is. All yeah. right. Yeah. Well, uh, fans, it may surprise you to learn that it was Billy Kidman who is helping cover up the absence of psychosis, who is having some visa issues at the moment. 
Now, why they put him in this horrid outfit and gave him a name that essentially translates to the babyface wrestler <laughs> instead of having him just go out there as himself like Brad Armstrong did last week <laughs> right. is completely beyond me. I It's like, were they afraid to beat Kidman? They were like, we don't want Kidman... I mean, need to protect Kidman. Yeah. yeah. What are they doing with Kidman at the moment <laughs> that he needs any protecting? It's really weird choice. Or, or after I guess Chavo, I was like, well, why was it just Chavo? <laughs> <laughs> because, because yeah. Eddie's on the show, and and yep. they, those two are either like either they're both there or they're both gone. So yeah, I I was under the impression that he was available. So right. But yeah, it is. I will say, very... in, in fairness to WWE, we made fun of them last week for the random pairing. Uh-huh. So now this week, when they try to make something that makes sense, maybe we shouldn't make... I mean, they're kind of damned if they do, I guess. <laughs> Larry and Tony say that Technico translates to, to scientific wrestler, which may be partially true, but instead of heels and baby faces, luchadors are typically divided into rudos and technicos. Rudos are your heels, technicos are your baby faces. So El Technico is just like the baby face, yeah. which kills me. <laughs> and I can... Almost guarantee you that WCW did not know that. Oh, God, no. <laughs> they probably could have asked Mike Tanay, but why do our research? Yeah. <laughs> or or Hooventude, you know, who's standing right there. Or Hoovy, or <laughs> Eddie, or the aforementioned Chavo. <laughs> Out next are the WCW World Tag Team Champions. Fuck me, public enemy. <laughs> yes. A sentence that fills me with loathing. <laughs> I totally forgot that they were the tag team champions. It's insane. For this any is, period hey, of time. This is a this is a good warm up for their uh, match at Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc oh. against the Outsiders. Yeah, we'll have a lot more to say about that uh, later on in the show. For no. sure. <laughs> now they come out with the belts and a table, which Larry claims exploits a loophole. As if it's not brought into the ring, legally it can't be considered a foreign object. I mean, <laughs> he's not wrong. They should just have a, your tag team partner bring a gun and stand on the floor and just point it at the guy and I get mean, him to lay down. The only thing I could think of is that he's indicating that like, if they don't bring in the ring, the fact that they bring it out, they don't automatically get disqualified. Sure. Yeah. Which I guess, I mean, but why would you think that would be a thing at all? The bell rings as Tony Schiavone is extolling the virtuousness of Randy Anderson for refusing to participate in the second hour of Nitro last week. Not that it really matters in what turns out to be a two-minute tag match, but Public Enemy are wrestling as heels here, which seems kind of odd, given that they're just not. Technical. (laughs) That's that's actually a good point. Uh, But Guerrera, who normally gets booed, even when he's he's kind of tried to be a face and tried to be a heel, Mm -hmm. and no matter what he does, he gets received as a heel. Uh, so he's kind of the de facto baby face here, and it just seemed like a weird inversion of their actual characters. Right. Rocco Rock starts off with Hoovy, faking a test of strength, then kicking Hoovy in the, I wrote in the guy, but that must be in the gut, before nailing <laughs> some oh, strikes. Oh, right, the guy. <laughs> right, the guy. <laughs> that would be a disqualification if he threw the guy. Hoovy fights back with a wheelbarrow arm drag. Guerrero hops over the rope, punches Rocco to get some space between them, then launches back into the ring with a springboard Huracarana. Rock rolls to the outside, and Guerrero tries to catch him with a baseball slide that Rock avoids. Rocka Rock sends Hoovy into the guardrail, then takes things back into the ring. El Technico is tagged in, and is immediately stopped by a kick to the gut from Rock. Exact same opening as uh, Guerrero and Rocko Rock. <laughs> Rocko tags in Grunge and holds Technico horizontally as Grunge comes off the second rope with an elbow drop. This gets a two-count interrupted by a kick from Guerrero. All four men brawl in the ring, and Hooventude tries to lift Grunge, but can't do it. I don't know why he thought he could. <laughs> right. 
Instead, he's back body dropped over the top rope for his troubles. And that's momentum, so that's uh, not a disqualification, right? Uh, Is I, that? I don't even think of that most that weeks rule anymore. So much. Right. It comes and goes. They ignore uh, it. Yeah, so I'm assuming dumb. this falls under the momentum clause. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny Grunge gets a scoop slam on Technico, then tags in Rocco Rock, and Public Enemy hits the drive-by, an assisted springboard senton by Rocco Rock for the victory. Uh, the senton really looked like it squashed oh, it probably poor Billy did. Kidman. Right. It probably did. <laughs> yeah. Did not look like they were protecting him very I can't, much there. Is this the first instance in which they've just done that move without a table on Nitro? Mm. On Nitro? Yeah, I think so. Probably. Yeah. yeah. It looks pretty good. It's just, yeah. I mean, well, it's, that ba- it's basically what the Amazing French Canadians do, too. It's like Oh, that's true. It a, looks better with Big Fat Rocco Rock doing it, though. <laughs> like, it just yeah. looks more impressive that that guy's hitting that move. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the French Canadians, I mean, their version probably gets more height, and actually PCO is... Not a small dude himself, now that I say that. <laughs> no. yeah. So, yeah, you're right. It, it is basically the same move. It looks good, kind of no matter who's doing it. Yeah. No, I like it. I, I've always liked that move. What would you guys think of the match? I didn't really think of the match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was real short. There's, yeah, not, there, a lot there's not a whole lot I, you can say about it. I mean, there's like there's cl- one of the wrestlers is clearly just wearing like a onesie in the ring. <laughs> yes. It's really distracting because it's like such a cheap-looking outfit that right. you're, you're just like, what what's going on here? Like, clearly... That was like a last moment thing. Yeah. Like, there's no question that, that that was not the plan like no. that morning. They look like legitimate tights that he must have borrowed from someone, but he's definitely just wearing a red sweatshirt. Oh, for sure. <laughs> because right. of ma- Somebody <laughs> had to run to Walmart and just they, pick, pick it up for him. They right. dug that mask out of the mothballs. <laughs> uh, did we mention that that match for some reason was for the WCW tag team titles? I don't think I did. I didn't even. I don't think I it's, even. They, they, they mentioned do a, it in the opening, and I was like, uh, "Come again." <laughs> what, they don't do are, a lot of non-title matches. On why Nitro. are these guys the number one contenders? <laughs> reasons? That's something Dave always points, out, especially when like uh, the Giant was champion and was taking on like Cobra. Like, yeah, Joe like, Gomez. Yeah, the title, match? title matches. It made just no mm-hmm. sense. Like what? You have a pay-per-view. You have number one contender there, but in the meantime, Cobra gets to vie for the the strap. Right. And and it's always a thing where it's like if the if the play by play guy if they don't mention that it's a title match there's a good chance when you're watching you have no idea right because uh, Dave Penzer you can almost never hear him yeah that's something I'm gonna ask him about I think when uh, that, I meet like him at why Starcast. they muted that microphone almost yeah, every week and it just that frustrates the hell out of him <laughs> yeah, because instead like, Buffer gets all the glory yeah. and <laughs> not only that but when you go on to like Raw you can always hear the people being announced oh, it's yeah. like yep. such a distinct like difference in the way that they present it. And and Dave Penzer, the guy that's like getting everything he yeah. does, like no recognition. I, I yeah, wonder he, about that. Yeah, uh, I assume this is true. I mean, he would know. He he kind of bills himself as the only man to be at every single Monday Nitro. And yet oh. think of how how much people don't know who Dave Penzer is compared to how many people know who The Fink or Lillian Garcia or even like a Tony Chimmel. You right. Know? Yeah. True. The crowd wants Public Enemy to put someone through a table, so they hype up the fans a bit and then toss Technico to the outside, where Rock drives him through the table with a somersault plancha. Larry wishes they'd done that to Holler Nash instead, and Tony promises that a month from now, they will at Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc. And I guess he thinks the pay-per-view is actually on Halloween, uh, because the show is actually on the 27th, which is definitely not a month from October 1st. No, no, it is not. I also like when um, when Grunge is holding um, El Technico 
yeah. on the table that he's kind of like squirming trying to get out of there. Yeah. But once I hit him, then he just goes like limp. <laughs> like that that was it. They just murdered El Technico. You well, ain't going like, nowhere, Technico. That's yeah. why we never see him again. Oh, no. Public Enemy leaves through the crowd. Tony plugs Malenko versus Alex Wright. Jim Powers versus Eddie Guerrero. Lex Luger versus M. Wall Street. Oh. And much, much more. Oh. As we go to commercial, a robotic Dean Malenko warns yeah. Alex Wright that tonight the young German <laughs> is just another stepping stone to get back what belongs to the Iceman. You are a stepping stone. <laughs> the cruiserweight title. The cruiserweight yeah, title. This, I, these pre-tape promos always, I think, are a little difficult <sighs> to just kind of get the intensity that you can from a live crowd, but mm. he is more wooden than normal in this one. I, I bet <laughs> that took about 100 takes for him to get that one. <laughs> Just and, because, like, and each one's like exactly the same. They can't get them to go. Can you up give me a, a little something? <laughs> right, just something, please. Okay, okay, we're moving on, Dean. Thank you, thank you. During the commercials, we are treated to an ad for a WCW T-shirt. Hacksaw Jim Duggan seems confused as to what shirts are as he tries to eat this one at one point. <laughs> One size fits most, finishes Hacksaw, and now he's wearing the shirt, only so is some other chowder head. As, like, they're both wearing one t-shirt, and they've got their heads mm -hmm. through the hole, and they make dumb faces. Ugh. And that's supposed to get me to buy this goddamn WCW t-shirt. Well, and then they also say, go get your big boy t-shirt, too. <laughs> which I'm like, I don't want a big boy t-shirt. What no. are you doing? <laughs> and it was, it was 1995, uh, like, the price... 1995 plus shipping. Oh, yeah. I'm like, that's spendy for just a t-shirt. Yeah, for 96 prices especially. Oh, yeah. Too yeah. much. Joining me at this time, Four Horsemen members, Chris Benoit, Steve, and Deborah McMichael. Steve, I'm a little confused. I've looked at the lineup tonight. You're not even scheduled to be wrestling here in Cleveland. Well, listen up, buddy. You saw what happened last Monday night. Hulk Hogan and his gang of goons, what they perpetrated on Macho. One on 60. Boy, that was a real brave thing. Well, let me tell you what. What happened at War Games ain't going to happen again. They divided us, and they conquered, baby. But from now on, where you see one horseman, you're going to see other horsemen. And if that ain't plain enough for you, you tell them, baby. That's right. I want to say something to the whole wrestling world, world out there. Do you see my husband's Super Bowl ring? Do you know how he got that? He got that by being a team player. And that is what we're here tonight for. We are here to support one of the four horsemen. Chris Benoit, international bragging rights at stake in hour number two of Nitro this evening. Your main event matchup with Rick Steiner. Rick Steiner, long list of accolades. Former one half of the world tag team champions. Quite the reputation. Rick Steiner, you're a great wrestler. Tonight, you're in against the best. Let me tell you the way it is, Rick Steiner. Tonight, I'm gonna make a statement. The horsemen are unparalleled. The horsemen are elite. The horsemen are perennial. Chris Benoit and Rick Steiner, that's in hour number two. We're back with more Monday Nitro after this. Back from break, we go to the locker room where Mike Tanay mills about with Chris Benoit and Steve and Deborah and Michael. Tanay is confused why Mongo is there as he's not scheduled to wrestle tonight. <laughs> Clearly, he's not familiar with WCW's wasteful fly every member of the roster to every Nitro policy. <laughs> right. These guys are just, they're always there. Like, that's, yeah. that's common. <laughs> what if M. Wall Street got hurt? <laughs> Mongo says that everyone saw what Hogan and his goons did last week, and after watching the NWO successfully divide the horsemen at war games, Mongo has decided that from now on, 
No Horseman Travels Alone. Deborah displays Mongo's Super Bowl ring and says that he got that by, by, by being a team player, and that's the same reason they're here tonight. They want to support another of the four horsemen. Now it's Benoit's turn, and Tanay asks him about his main event match tonight against Rick Steiner. Uh, excuse me? <laughs> his main event match <laughs> against Rick Steiner. <laughs> a weird match on paper, but honestly one that I would very much like to watch. Mm-hmm. Benoit says that Steiner has a long list of accolades, and he's a great wrestler, but tonight he's up against the best. Tonight, Benoit is going to make a statement that the horsemen are unparalleled, the horsemen are elite, and that the horsemen are perennial. I know this is a very low bar to clear, but that might have been Benoit's best promo that we've seen on this show. And I thought altogether that everyone did their promos really well. I thought it was one of the better Mongo ones because he brought up good reasons why he was there. Yeah. Like, Mongo reasoned with me, and yeah. I was like, I understood that. I get <laughs> I get where he's coming from. Yeah, we... hurts knowing that I agreed with everything Mongo said. <laughs> right. <laughs> we... I think it seems like every week we say we're we're surprised that Deborah's doing so well. I think it's almost time to not be surprised anymore. I think Deborah's just good. Yeah. No, I mean she she knows like the role that she's playing like you know, she she always is bringing up his football background yeah. and she always finds a way to relate it to like that's why he's going to be a good wrestler. That's why he's in WCW is because like he has all this experience as like a pro bowl NFL player. Yeah, she's she she's always well, maybe not always good, but um, she always has per, like a, a, a point. And I think she's getting better week to I mean, she's very new at this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she's mm-hmm. getting better week to week. Uh, I think what's great is I was watching SummerSlam 99 on the network the other day. Okay. Uh, people might remember, I think I've mentioned this on the show before, that I took a break from wrestling from like 94, uh, I was like 11, until 99, uh, when the mm-hmm. Attitude Era was already, I mean, it was already almost over kind of by the time that I got back into it uh, because our governor, Jesse Ventura, was yep. was in the uh, refereeing the main event of that SummerSlam because that was, <laughs> I can't believe that a SummerSlam show during the Attitude Era was in Minneapolis, but but it happened. <laughs> right. So I was watching it and Deborah is a part of the opener between Jeff Jarrett and D'Lo Brown. Yep. And I just remember, like, oh yeah, Deborah was in the WWF when I started watching again mm-hmm. in '99, and she was terrible. Oh, I thought awful. she was just the worst. Yeah. So to go back in time and see, like, wow, she was really good. I like. I don't know what it's like. They the more they took off her clothes, the worse the character became, or something. It, yeah, it's like it's really looking back, it's disappointing because she has a lot of like the just little attributes you want for like a legitimate like heel manager right and and for the fact that they just like they they took all the focus just on like her her big fake boobs yeah you know and that 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 was it yeah and then she was like oh no i i agree we'll just do that instead you know i assume she was making a lot more money so what did she care probably that's a good point too vince russo everybody (laughs) we go back to commercial including a paid advertisement by the nwo we fade in on a hotel room where the hulkster sits on a couch with his son Seven-year-old Nick Balea on his lap. By, by the way, it's uh, when they said it's a paid advertisement, and you hear Hogan, yeah, say "Not anymore." Yeah, and the first time I thought that was live, but it turns out it's recorded because they play it every time from now on. Right. Yep. Uh, the idea uh, that we'll learn here uh, through the, in the promo is that thanks to War Games, 
uh, WCW now has to foot the bill for these paid advertisements. Mm-hmm. So the NWO no longer has to pay for their own advertising on but they, Turner Broadcasting. But they won't foot the bill for him to re-record that first part. No. <laughs> they only go Too so much far. Money. Yeah. Hogan says that he made a deal with Nasty Nick at Night's mom, <laughs> which is an insane thing to call your son. It's all Hogan. What yeah. do you expect? <laughs> I was like, wait, isn't that his wife, though? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, but Nasty Nick at Night is what I'm saying. <laughs> is a, that's a <laughs> weird, weird thing to call your son. Yeah. Your seven-year-old son. Right. <laughs> he's like, he's boasting to his friends, like, I got my wife to say it's okay to bring my son with <laughs> And this is in a hotel room with Scott Hall, yeah. Kevin Nash, Sean Waltman, and Sean Waltman. What a terrible parent he is! And Vincent, like imagine. Oh, what that, he... that's just over the line. Uh, the deal is that Nick can stay up and watch all two hours of NWO Monday Nitro every week. DiBiase thanks WCW for paying for the commercial time. Uh, as I mentioned, that that was a stipulation at War Game. One of these stipulations that we find out after the fact. Oh, right. Yeah. Hall, Hall welcomes the WCW roster back from Japan, and Nash calls NWO Sting the best imposter in all of professional wrestling. Another little jab at Fake Diesel and Razor over on the oh, other channel. I didn't even catch that. Diesel holds up an ad that was placed in the hotel room featuring chairman of the board of Marriott Hotels, Bill Marriott, who Nash says looks like Ross Perot before cackling at his own joke, even though they do not look anything alike right. they're just old white dudes that's about it that is that was as most of a 96 joke as you could possibly oh, yeah. get oh yeah waltman gets on the phone to order room service nash says that he just watched mongo's promo and deborah michael definitely wants him <laughs> I, <laughs> I just like it because like what's the basis of that <laughs> the way she was i don't know talking to the camera <laughs> right. about her husband mongo yeah looking at the camera <laughs> right there's a bunch of very annoying crosstalk as every guy tries to prove that he's the funniest man in the room. <laughs> Somebody says something about Kyle Petty being at Nitro tonight, and the segment just loses steam and ends. At the end, you can hear Hogan say uh, that not anymore again, so that's when I figured out that it was recorded, and we're just going to be hearing that every time from now on. <laughs> Back in the arena, Dean Malenko's music hits, and out he comes, carrying a trophy that he collected on his past edition of WCW Saturday Night, Ray Mysterio Jr.'s mask. Oh. Larry asks if Nash is really going out with Deborah. You don't really believe everything they say, do you, asks Tony? Well, I don't trust women, says Larry. Well, neither do I, says Tony. And then he just moves on. <laughs> like, Nash said something completely boundless with nothing behind it. Right. And Tony and Larry are forced to agree because they hate women so much. <laughs> right. Good he's lord. Probably, he's probably making this up. But then again, it's against a woman, so... <laughs> <laughs> Tony says that he was conducting an interview on Saturday night with Rey Mysterio when Dean Malenko suddenly ran up and stole Mysterio's mask, at which point the gallant Shivani threw his coat over Mysterio. Why, asked Larry, was he that ugly? <laughs> they had a lot of really fun, like, back and forth tonight. Yeah, Larry was, I think both the color guys, Larry and Bobby, were yeah. were on point this evening. Yeah. Das Wunderkind, Alex Wright, makes his way to the ring to a surprising amount of boos. I'm not used to him being booed. I don't yeah. know what it was about today. Yeah. Cleveland does not like uh, not the Wunderkind. not big German fans over mm. there in Cleveland. This is a matchup that we've seen once before, way back in January at Clash of the Champions 32. Oh, uh, okay. Malenko won that, of course. I think you don't. You can look at their places on the card and figure that out. Right. <laughs> 
Uh, and here to call all of the action is our own uh, King Boo. Because we were talking about booze, I don't know. <laughs> He's a Nintendo thing. Okay. Dave Mamajor. All right, cool. So the match opens with the collar and elbow tie-up, and the two men exchange wrist locks and arm drags, with neither one gaining the clear advantage. Malenko is the first to get the upper hand as he grabs Wright's leg and attempts a half-crab, but Das Wunderkin manages to hold him off. We get some more quick exchanges, culminating in an Alex Wright hammerlock. Malenko escapes the hold and drops Wright with a snapmare for a two-count. Wright bridges out of a pinning predicament and manages to wrap up the Man of a Thousand Holds in a sleeper. Wright, uh, Alex turns the sleeper into a headlock, giving Malenko the opportunity to hit a side suplex for a two-count. Malenko then stomps away on Alex Wright as we head to a commercial break. As we return to Alex Wright mounting a comeback, however, as he attempts an abdominal stretch, Malenko takes advantage of their spinning momentum to toss his adversary out of the ring. Dean joins him at ringside and whips right into the barricade because what would a Nitro match be without a whip into the barricade? Wright tries to re-enter the ring via sunset flip, but Malenko counters with a punch to the face. He then slaps on just kind of a generic leg lock, but uh, discontented with its submission hold, Malenko pulls Alex right back to his feet and throws him into the corner where he unloads with forearms. White turns the tables and throws a series of European uppercuts as Tony Schiavone ponders the status of the man they call Sting. Right yeah, hit- he, uh, he kind of gets over a new nickname, it seems like they're trying out, because they mentioned a few times throughout the show, The Lone Wolf. Yeah. Uh, I don't really remember that going anywhere. I guess we'll see. Like I said, this was during my break from wrestling, so for all I know, he was selling t- The Lone Wolf t-shirts all over the place, and I just missed it. But- <laughs> right. Uh, nope. So I didn't know that anyone had really used that before Baron Corbin, who I know is the <laughs> was the lone, but until he was Constable, yeah. the shittiest wrestling nickname in history, mm-hmm. Constable. Anyway, because sorry. there always has to be a wrestler that wears like a suit while they're wrestling. Yes, for some sure. reason that's a trope that just like has to come up at all times. Mr. But. Hughes, Baron Corbin. I think mm-hmm. it's a rib. Like who wants? I can't imagine that you that anyone likes that. Well, I feel like that Jack Gallagher may have. Well, I feel like that uh, all of like Baron Corbin's careers has just been a rib. <laughs> On me? or <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Meanwhile, uh, Alex Wright hits a big back body drop before returning Malenko to the corner for another serving of European uppercuts. A whip into the opposite corner, but Malenko flies over the turnbuckles, but gets nothing but air on his follow-up crossbody. Alex Wright quickly uh, follows that up with an Oklahoma side roll for the surprise pinfall victory. Just like that, Alex Wright has defeated him Team Malenko. Yeah. Uh, this kind of reminds me of last week when we saw uh, Brad Armstrong defeat Hugh Morris. Mm-hmm. Um, or was that last week? That was two weeks ago, I believe, actually. Or was that oh, last week? Two weeks ago, I think. Well, yeah. in any case, that happened recently. Yeah, recently. And it, yeah. yeah, another kind of shocking win here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the match was pretty good. It wasn't amazing or anything. Um, considering who was involved, I maybe could have expected a little more. Uh, but I did like the finish. I think, A, it was nice for Alex Wright to pick up a clean win over Dean Malenko. I think that helps him a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think it underscores the high-risk factor of high-risk moves. Sure. I think the announcers yeah. kind of helped get that over. Dean went for a high-risk move, mm-hmm. and a lot of times the – especially if you're the guy higher up on the card, those work out for you. Yeah. But occasionally a high-risk move, bl- you blow it and you lose, and you lose maybe a match that you should have won. And occasionally 
it's good to remind your audience of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you guys think of the match? And especially since Dean Malenko is, uh, even for, despite the fact that he's a cruiserweight, does yeah. not go for those moves very often. Right. And maybe doing something unconventional for him, the fact that that backfires, then I can it just sets up for maybe a more interesting approach to like, if there's a rematch, if Malenko decides like, Oh no, I'm not going to go for the high risk set the next time around. But, uh, it, it's nice also just to get outright back into like, uh, the, um, win column in the win column <laughs> or just sure, for, yeah. for people to remember that he's around and, and, to, and to kind of add a little bit more to the cruiserweight division than just like waiting for Dean Malenko to face Ray Mysterio jr. Again, yeah. which is kind of, that holding pattern we've been in for seemingly months, really. I mean, ever since uh, Mysterio won the championship, we've been kind of waiting for, like, the pay-per-view rematch between the two. Rob, what did you think of the match? Uh, I thought it was good. In my opinion, it was probably, I know we're going to get to this later, it was probably the best match of the show. Um, I just didn't understand. I mean, I know you guys are saying, like, oh, that's right, it's good to have him sure. get a win. But, like, mm-hmm. Dean Malenko is going for the cruiserweight title. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't understand that. that. To me, that just didn't make sense. Yeah, that is actually the very next thing in my notes is, okay, so if Malenko, the only thing that I've got to say in defense is that we've still got four Nitros. We've got a long yeah. way. And one way that he can start to build that momentum is coming back next week angry at Alex Wright and Beating just him crushing in like him in a couple or minutes. Whatever. And yeah. A, and and another aspect of this match that I really didn't bring up um, is the fact that Dean Malenko is at least indicating that he's distracted because he has Rey Mysterio's mask on the ring post. Oh, that's and true. He does, yeah. he does go time to time going back to look at it. Tony Giovanni kind of points that out. So, I, and maybe it was just not. It wasn't um, executed as well as it should have been, but there is this idea that Malenko might be a little bit distracted, might be looking ahead. Sure. And and maybe that like this is just kind of a way to have like a small program that keeps Malenko um, in the spotlight, reminding you that he is like the number one contender, but also giving Alex Wright like a little bit of a, a rub. Fair point. Fair. He shocked the world, says Tony. Larry responds, well, he shocked me, and I'm smarter than the world, oh. which is a very Larry thing to say. Right. Tony says that next we're going to have an interview with the Macho Man, but first we're going to take a look at some footage from Saturday night when Savage was having a match with Big Bubba when Miss Elizabeth came out from the back to take a gander. Savage dropped the top rope elbow on Bubba and wanted to drop another, but referee Mark Curtis intervened, so Randy tossed him out of the ring. Randy went back to the top rope, but Nick Patrick showed up and stood right in his way. Savage hopped down, grabbed Patrick by the hair, and punched him in the face. He then continued the attack until the two men were separated. We go to Mike Tanay for his interview with Randy Savage. He introduces Macho, but Savage doesn't come out. A confused Tanay instead tosses to a commercial, but before we go to break, Eddie Guerrero has an inset promo telling Jim Powers that he may be a tremendous athlete with a tremendous physique, but you also need brains, and he's looking forward to locking up with him tonight. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a... It was fine. Yeah, yeah fine. Quick Can't, little nope. promo. No harm, no foul. During commercials, we get quite the spooky ad for Halloween <laughs> Havoc. Ooh. I love Halloween because you get to trick people. Yeah! It's me, Macho Man Randy said. Frankenstein dude's pretty cool, but green ain't my 
color. I like the swim team, yellow and red, yeah! Halloween's coming, and so is the biggest, wildest event of the wrestling season. I'm talking about Halloween Havoc. Talk about trick or treat. The trick is to win the Slim Jim Halloween Havoc Step to Win Sweepstakes. The treat is getting a customized Slim Jim Monster Truck. Monster Truck? Get it? Halloween Monster? Coincidence or not, you tell me. There's more treats, like trips to Las Vegas for you and three of your best friends. Slim Jim will put you right there live at the WCW Halloween Havoc Showdown on October the 27th. Oh, dig this. Now a Randy Macho Wolfman Savage. Oh, not much difference. Maybe it's time I got a shave. Anyway, how do you enter the Slim Jim Snap the Wind Sweepstakes? That's no trick. It's easy. Just go to your closest convenience store and look for the Slim Jim Snap the Wind Sweepstakes display. So this Halloween, get ready for some real treats. The Slim Jim Snap the Wind Sweepstakes. A chance to win a monster truck and lots of other cool prizes. And don't forget the big Halloween Havoc pay-per-view broadcast. Slim Jim so pumped about this awesome event. Even painted their Slim Jim number 57 car in Halloween colors. Check it out. Ain't she gorgeous? Hey, Macho, you talking about the car or the driver, man? Get lost where you're crowding me. Cops thought anyone could win your little Halloween sweepstakes, Daddy. That's why we're here. First of all, anyone can win. Second of all, it ain't no little sweepstakes. It's as big as they get. Well, then sign me up, big man. I'm ready to go. Sign you up? The only thing I'll sign is the X. Or the next time I crush you in the ring. Very funny, Savage. Come on, ladies. We got a major sweepstakes to win. Woo! I'll smash you like a pumpkin, Flair. Take no prisoners. This Halloween, we'll save the tricks for the ring and the treats for you. Head to your closest door and sign up for Slim Jim. Snap to win sweepstakes right now. Oh, yeah! Macho Man is wearing a Frankenstein mask. And he says that he loves Halloween because you get to trick people. Then he whips the mask off and says, it's me, the Macho Man. I tricked you. (laughs) As if anyone else would be wearing that ring gear and have that voice. (laughs) I was shocked. (laughs) And the way they do it is with this really odd thing where the camera's on him. And then when he whips the mask off, the camera like just moves over to the right. Yeah. And then they do like a flash effect to hide the fact that they cut. Yeah. Because then the camera (laughs) swings back and he's not wearing the mask. And the reason they do it that way is because they want his hat on. Yeah. They don't want him to just pull the mask off. I assume the mask would cause his insane hair mm-hmm. to just do something even more crazy. Right. So they're like, look, we'll just get your hair set, put the hat on, and make a cut. No one will notice. <laughs> I didn't, didn't even notice. <laughs> It'll be so quick you won't even notice. It's it's pretty hilarious. I made a gif of that little mo- uh, cut, and you can find that on my Twitter. Yeah. He promotes Halloween Havoc and Slim Jims and a contest where you can win a customized Slim Jim monster truck. <clears throat> Although, the truck shown is just a red pickup truck with the Slim Jim's logo on it. Mm-hmm. Now, i assuming that is the truck you can win. I'm assuming I, that there's not a monster truck that they just didn't show in this ad. Because, no, Macho Man says, like, get it? Monster truck? Because it's, like, oh, Halloween. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's, he, he tries to explain the joke right afterwards. Yeah. Well, I still didn't get it. So <laughs> either it sucks or I'm dumb. Or no, both. it sucked. It was a terrible <laughs> At one point, he 
puts on a werewolf mask and just says, dig this, now I'm Randy Macho Wolfman Savage. <laughs> I was dying. I thought this whole thing was hilarious. And then, and then it he, was a wonderful And promo. then he takes it off and he's like, ooh, it looks like I got a shave or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, at this point I realize that like, He's just bullshitting this whole time. <laughs> there's, there's no. They're probably just like. There's here, no creative here's some direction. Masks, just yeah. go crazy. Slim Jim is so excited about Halloween Havoc that they've even decorated their NASCAR Vroom Vroom race car with the uh, <laughs> Halloween Havoc logo. So that's two different stock cars. I don't know. I know that there's different circuits, and I don't know that they're necessarily the same race or whatever. But that we're up to two cars. Uh, and yeah. we're, so we're going to add to their ranks before the show's even over. <laughs> Halloween <laughs> Havoc is taking over uh, the racing world. Uh, finally, in, towards the end, a pretty woman is behind the wheel of a car, and Macho Man says, ain't she gorgeous? Which somehow summons Ric Flair <laughs> from Are the you ether. talking about women, <laughs> yeah, flashy cars, whatever. <laughs> and, of course, the Nature Boy comes with two women on his arm. Yeah, I'll show car. you. <laughs> Flair asks if Macho means the woman or the car, and Randy and Flair just sort of have back and forth bickering. Right. Uh, it, it doesn't really go anywhere. And then Savage closes by promising that he's going to save the tricks for the ring and the treats for us. <laughs> well, that's nice. I don't know if I want any of those treats. <laughs> and also, Ric Flair really wanted to enter the contest, too. Yeah, he was trying to, to hoodwink uh, himself in. I wanted to see if Savage would get him in. It's like, you aren't you guys like sworn enemies? Why would he enter you into his contest? And your whole thing is about how rich and successful you are. You need to win a Slim Jim <laughs> pickup truck? Well, did you see the truck? Did you see it? I hope someone that won that is still driving it to this oh, day with the Slim Jim logo on the side. After break, Jim Powers makes his way to the ring accompanied by Teddy Long. And now whenever I see Jim Powers, I can't stop thinking about Scott Hall saying that he's full of beef. Oh, <laughs> I always think about him saying that he's juiced. Yeah, sure. Oh. Yeah. Full of beef is just a little more evocative. <laughs> a little more disgusting. <laughs> Scott Hall just has this weird, like, obsession with Jim Powers. Somewhere in the back, he's like, no, no, in their, in their hotel room, he's like, guys, guys, we have to watch this match. Let, let's take a break from all this raucous partying. <laughs> yeah. In his little bumper promo, Eddie made sure to note that Powers has a tremendous physique, and I almost wondered if he was just continuing on that rib a little bit. If it was a little bit of a winking nudge from, from <laughs> Eddie, I don't know. Sparks shoot up from the floor and out comes Eddie Guerrero. We haven't seen him since mid-August at Clash of the Champions. Tony tells us that at Halloween Havoc, Eddie will have his chance at revenge when he goes one-on-one -on -one with Diamond Dallas Page. You may remember that Eddie beat Page for the non-prestigious non-title of Lord of the Rings. How dare you? <laughs> and was attacked by Page after the bell. Eddie went off to Japan, so DDP transitioned that feud to Chavo, a feud that Page won after beating Chavo at Fall Brawl. Larry manages three factual errors in one sentence when he says that DDP hurt Eddie a few months ago. It was like a month and a half. Larry then claims Eddie sent his cousin Chavo after DDP. Uh, Chavo is actually his nephew. Mm -hmm. And he predicts that DDP will keep his ring at Halloween Havoc, despite Eddie being the rightful owner of that ring, uh, <laughs> thanks to his win at the Clash. Right. Although, uh, Paige is in physical possession of the ring. I was going to say, at least the third one, I can kind of argue because yeah. Larry's a heel. Oh, that's, and be like, yeah, oh, that's fair. That's he's going to lose, he's going to keep <laughs> his ring. Nick Patrick will be calling this one, and he's got one of those foam neck brace gimmicks uh, thanks to the attach, thanks to the attack by Savage on Saturday night. 
Uh, have you have you ever done any kind of injured refing, either storyline or otherwise? Uh, I've done the thing where oh the one two oh my shoulder oh. hurts like <laughs> yeah 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 continue counting. <laughs> <laughs> it always happens after that second one too. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's what really throws your arm out. You just have enough strength for that second. Oh, not that's the third it. one. That doesn't nope. work. I will say that Patrick, uh, despite in my opinion being like a shitty referee, yeah, despite. Uh, he does a good job throughout the show of selling like just at little parts where he's not the focus of attention. If you mm-hmm. look in the background, he's looking uncomfortable. He's kind of like yeah. cracking like his a, neck. He'll mm-hmm. do like a one, two, and then he'll throw the two up and then he'll be like, Oh, my neck hurts. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. two. He really sells it. It was very wonderful. Well, I thought, yeah. What are your thoughts in general on, on Nick Patrick and the WCW ref? Crew oh, I, lo- I loved his like, quasi heel turn thing yeah. I, I thought that was wonderful i think we love the character i just think yeah, as a referee he sometimes seems like he's not where he should be or like his uh, counting is weird oh i definitely yeah. noticed his counts yeah yeah because because right away when he was uh was turning heel or is the focus is on him it's like well he's not very good at refereeing so why would they put the attention on him and then the first time we heard him do a promo, yeah. we're like, oh, okay, because he has personality. Yeah, he's I'm a great sure. promo. Yeah, so he's he's a great, like, he's good for, like, an on-screen presence, but not in the job that he does. So a, a funny sidebar is that he actually wrestled for a couple of years before he became a referee. Well, like, his dad was uh, Jody Hamilton, yeah, right? The, the assassin. The assassin. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like we might have brought that because we yeah. ten, you tend to do like the um, introductions for all the different people that show up. I feel like that was brought up at some point that he was initially a, a referee. He ref for like he wrestled for like a year or two or something. Then he got yeah. like seriously hurt before they had really <laughs> oh, good his, surgeries oh, and stuff. Oh, sure. His neck. <laughs> well, he doesn't really have the physique. I mean, he could if he put more time in, I'm sure, but. He looks like a ref, not a oh, yeah. not a wrestler. That's for or, sure. Or he looks what are you like trying a, to say? Or, he's like, <laughs> or he looks like a like the mid seventies like mid south kind of wrestler. Yeah, like the one, sure. Yeah, yeah. Like like the Jerry Lawler sort of physique. Like a one of the Rock and Roll Express or yeah. something. <laughs> for example, yeah. Matt Gaffari, the Olympic silver medalist who was at Nitro last week, is at Nitro this week. <laughs> Just, so they are serious about negotiating with him. <laughs> but like I said, he will never wrestle on Nitro, so this no. is not going anywhere. Eddie and Powers jostle for position with Eddie applying a full Nelson that Powers powers out of. Uh, oh, come on. Uh, come on. Uh, <laughs> he Jim powers out of. Uh, <laughs> a couple minutes of nothing lead to Eddie getting a scoop slam and a slingshot senton for two. Powers blocks a vertical suplex attempt and lifts Eddie up for the same thing, but Eddie smoothly twists out of it, landing on his feet and getting Powers in a waist lock. Powers elbows his way out of that and lays in some punches. While discussing Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc, Tony mentions that Ric Flair will be defending the U.S. heavyweight title against the Giant, the first time that we've heard mention of uh, that match on Nitro, I believe. And of course, as we mentioned last week, unbeknownst to WCW or anyone probably other than Flair's doctors, mm-hmm. and they probably have not had time to see this yet, uh, Flair's shoulder will require surgery and he will be out for months, so that match will not be taking place. And I think we actually get a hint by the end of this program uh, that that's the way things are shaping up. Yep. And that was that's too bad because uh, my assumption would have been that if that match would have gone on, that the Giant would have 
won the title. Sure. And that would be the case where it's like the last two times that Flair was champion, the Giant just took the belt from him. Yeah, and, I, and that would have been a nice little continuation. Yeah. Like, and everywhere the Flair turns, the Giant's just waiting for him. And that first match they had was a fun one. It wasn't like yeah. technically amazing, yeah, but it was, it was a fun a, match. It was a fun little match. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, especially since like the the Giant had been wrestling for like six months right. at yeah. that point. Yeah. Eddie hits a sort of spear, sort of Luthez press thing, and the two men trade punches. Eddie sends Powers into the corner with an Irish whip, but Powers dodges Eddie's charging elbow and grounds Eddie with a nice overhead belly-to-belly suplex for two. Powers does a couple Irish whips and clotheslines for another two. Powers hits a knee lift and a vertical suplex as Tony clarifies that Guerrero beat DDP for the ring at the Clash, but DDP stole it back after the match, so their Halloween Havoc will once again before that non-prestigious non-title. How dare you? The, the undisputed non-prestigious champion. I don't know. If that's an actual title that is recognized by WCW, mm-hmm. why are they allowing this match to be for it as if DDP is the rightful possessor of it? That, it's, that it's bothers like, me. <laughs> it's like the one championship where it's like 90, like uh, possession is 90%. <laughs> or, they should uh, hire the repo man, who I think is a free agent at this point, and get him to repo that ring. <laughs> He's free agent right now. <laughs> Powers gets a one count and puts on a chin lock. A loud NWO chant breaks out as the guys with the NWO picket signs have been wandering the arena for pretty much the entire show. They just sort of walk around holding NWO picket signs. That's their entire job for like two hours. Yeah, the, Is it like the lousy teenagers again? Yeah, the no good teens. No, no good teens. Who is shouting those obscenities, asks Larry. <laughs> Another knee lift for two and another chin lock from Powers, who is clearly out of ideas four minutes into this match. (laughs) Nick Patrick gets annoyed with Teddy Long, ordering him to ask Eddie if he gives up, and they have a little back and forth. Tony notes that Long started out as a referee and that he knows the integrity it takes to stand in there and call matches, which ignores the fact that Long transitioned from ref to manager only after turning into a heel ref who constantly gave wins to the bad guys exactly <laughs> like Nick Patrick is doing currently. We don't need to mention that. No need to bring that up. There's just no continuity on the fa- part of Tony Schiavone here. Eddie lays in with a European uppercut. Powers responds with a kick and shoving Eddie's head into the turnbuckles every time, several times. Powers, still completely out of his element, punches Eddie in the corner, pulls him out to the middle of the ring, then pushes him right back into the same corner <laughs> so he can whip him over to the opposite one. And this is a fun time to remind you that Jim Powers debuted 12 years <laughs> before this match. Oh, God. <laughs> this is a man with oh. over a decade of pro wrestling experience. Oh, no. <laughs> he, he progressed about as well as like the Bellas have. Oh, boy. Ooh. Oh, now you're going to get people saying Nikki's great now and... Great. Yeah, go ahead and say that. <laughs> I mean, go right on Remember, ahead. he is at Dave Amentor. I want no <laughs> right. part of the Nikki Bella stands out there. Powers charges Eddie, who gets a knee up. Eddie hits a side suplex and calls for the frog splash, but Powers meets him on the ropes for a second rope superplex. Eddie manages to just barely kick out at two. Powers cradles Eddie for two, and Larry nitpicks the pin attempt, because Larry loves doing that shit. When it comes to nitpicking, he it is specifically pin attempts. Maybe that's what he's the legend, Larry Legend. Maybe the legend is of just he's a legendary nitpicker. <laughs> he's great at picking nits. <laughs> they wind up in a corner with Eddie behind Powers with a waist lock on. Eddie goes for an O'Connor roll, but Powers rotates too far for it to be a pin. 
Eddie gets Powers to his feet for a nice German suplex. Guerrero hangs on for a two-count as Powers clearly kicks out before the bell. Both men return to their feet, but Nick Patrick is calling for the bell. Tony claims that both shoulders were down, and I'm not sure that if he means Powers, who kicked out, or Eddie, who is the one applying the move, but we've seen plenty of times they do that ending where a guy Germans another guy, and then they both get counted down, or yeah. the ref picks the one he likes. I think Punk and Cena did that in one of in one of their matches. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or or sometimes the guy that's on top is like getting counted for the cover, that sort of yep, thing. Yep. It just it, whatever works for the story at the time, basically. Teddy Long and Jim Powers argue with Patrick, who eventually raises Eddie's hand. Long continues to argue, and Eddie looks unhappy with winning this way. In close-up, Long berates Patrick, asking if he needs to go back to referee school. Patrick says if he wants to question calls, maybe he should get the blue shirt on and ref some matches, which Long says he will do. I assume that the reason they're doing the storyline is Teddy Long's going to transition back to referee? I guess we'll find I mean, that's certainly how it's set up. I don't know that that's happening, but I did, I just logically liked, that would be the next step in the progression of yeah. the story. I just liked at one point when these two were arguing, they clearly like, like okay, we got to move over here to the camera. Right. They Let's get closer to that <laughs> camera, boys. Yeah. And also it's always, it's always great to see like a, a, a wrestler or a manager, like really over pantomime, like, he got his shoulder. Oh, yeah, and he does it like... he does. It's not even that he overdoes it. It's that he does it like 30 times. Right, yeah. <laughs> just got to make, play to that back row, though. Yeah, just to make sure that they, they really catch on while you're arguing. Long raises Power's hand to some cheers and quite a few boos. I think there's some Eddie fans who didn't like how that turned out. <laughs> uh, I didn't think that was a very good match. Power certainly looked like he just came out of the Powers plant. Nah. Oh, come on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Whole match was worth it for that. <laughs> Rob, what'd you make of it? Uh, I thought that match sucked. <laughs> yeah. In my notes, I literally just put Jim Powers versus Eddie Guerrero with a pukey face emoji. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sucked. It was not a good match. It was probably one of Eddie's worst matches he's had yeah. since coming to WCW. I was thinking the exact same thing. And Jim Powers yeah. is just and it's just god like, awful. It's another instance in which they they want to do a controversial ending, but it just it's so confusing. Using. Like this, the execution's always so poor right. that, like, the announcers, which I think we've talked about before, how they they like to not let the announcers know what's going to happen beforehand. Right. Yeah. They have no idea what to call, like, no. or what's what's happening, or, and, and like the music starts up and then it stops again. Like they didn't even tell those people what yeah, happens. Yeah, probably it, not the best person to use Jim Powers for that. Oh either. yeah, you yeah. know what if, I mean. If you want someone to be able to pull do somebody it off who really can actually well. do some wrestling, yeah, not Jim Powers. The following commercial break includes some more NWO at the hotel shenanigans. They are watching themselves live on Nitro and sipping champagne. The Nasty Boys show up. The Nasty said that they flew here. I swear they said they flew here from Cleveland, but this is in Cleveland, so maybe I misheard them, or maybe they're idiots. Both. One or the other. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. I mean, I had this, for some reason, I thought that last week was also in Cleveland. Could have been. I don't recall. I, I thought last was in the south. I thought it was I, Alabama or something last week. I don't know. I, I'm getting this feeling that the these backstage or these hotel rooms, think, I think these were taped last week. No, oh. because we see them watching themselves live. That could only, like, they're doing, like, the looking into the infinite screen thing. Oh. It's hard to make out because the resolution is low and it's black and white, mm-hmm. but they're literally watching themselves live on this show. Which, which reminded me of Spaceballs. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So th- they, they definitely can't be pre-taped. 
and and also I like when um when the nasty boys are not wrestling they they wear like uh sweatpants yeah but they tuck the shirts in the sweatpants they're so nasty that they tuck in their (laughs) long sleeve t-shirts into their pants that are worn like well above their belly button (laughs) it's hilarious (laughs) the nasties claim that they're here to talk business but the giant says that they're all here to party what a sausage fest of a party. <laughs> Where are the, the girls N- at? Yeah, the NWO is not as cool as perhaps they once <laughs> right. seemed. And it just proves that Hulk Hogan is still a terrible father <laughs> by still allowing his child to oh, be in boy. the room with the Nasty Boys. <laughs> room service shows up. Scott Hall says to the Nasties, Hey, you rednecks, you probably love that NASCAR. When's that driver getting here? <laughs> I don't think he's wrong. supposed to be like being standoffish with them, but Hall's just doing it because it's funny to him well i i do know that like the outsiders and the nasty boys in particular did not get along oh sure yeah. very well from like the the get-go yeah and if you like i was really trying to pay attention to what scott hall and he's yeah. just talking shit to them yeah, the whole time. Entire time like <laughs> as soon as they show up it's like oh well i don't like you guys uh, just so you know <laughs> an offended sag says we're hanging with you now and why you got a problem with that we love you guys <laughs> He's like, that's such a weak response. Like, you mm-hmm. get insulted and you're like, why are you being mean? I love you. Yeah, don't <laughs> right. be mean to me. I just want to be your friend. And wasn't it, wasn't like, was it two weeks ago that they were like, oh, we're definitely against the NWO? Yeah, and then last week, Hogan was like, here's the key to my hotel. And they're like, great. Great. We changed our minds completely. <laughs> uh, Hall responds to we love you guys with, I love you long time, yo. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Hogan has a werewolf mask on now, and someone mentions the wolf pack. The first time that we've heard that term used in Nitro. Mm-hmm. I couldn't hear the whole sentence because everyone's just shouting stuff. But at some point, somebody said Son wolf pack. Son of all nasty Nick is in the wolf pack yeah, or something Probably, like yeah. And and you can't really hear it, but um, Kevin Nash go, gets like the Warren Zevon werewolf of London. Yeah, I had to look up because I, I was. He says something, and Hall joins him. Like so, I was like, that has to be a quote from something. And yeah. yeah, it's the lyrics from Werewolves of London. Mm-hmm. Jerry Sag says that he wants to show everyone something. It's his Eric Bischoff impression. <laughs> he stands on the table and does the Ace Ventura butt cheeks talking thing. Yep. I assume most people know what I'm talking about. He there. sure does. Uh, he says. Or his butt says, I guess, oh, no, the NWO are going to get me. And there is a tiny bit of forced laughter, but almost everyone just looks uncomfortable. (laughs) Notably, DiBiase and Hall look like just embarrassed (laughs) to be there at that moment. I think DiBiase, because he's the closest to Sags' ass. Right. And he's just like, why is this happening? (laughs) Why why is my face right by this large man's buttocks? (laughs) Listen, I know there's some tension here, but I know how to break it. (laughs) (laughs) We cut back to the arena and find out that Saturday night this week we'll have the Rock and Roll Express against Mongo and Benoit. Hmm. Harlem Heat's going to face Public Enemy, I guess, in a rematch for those tag team titles. Let's hope so. Jim Powers is going to take on Disco Inferno. Oh, boy. I wish I... Like, can't we get Disco back on Nitro? Seriously. He's entertaining as hell. I miss him. And... Have we seen him since he had that cruiserweight title match? I don't think so. And that match was really good. It was like, here's this new side of Disco, this guy who can actually really wrestle, and then he's just gone from TV. Yeah, and they they have so many matches in which it's like, they it, they need like the enhancement talent. Yeah. And that's what Disco Inferno does. He's like, a perfect he opening been match in there with loser. Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. In the locker room, Mike Tanay has Arn Anderson, woman, Miss Elizabeth, all gathered. 
Arn tells Liz that they forgave her for showing weakness by trying to protect Macho Man from the NWO at Fall Brawl. But then last week, while the Horsemen were in Japan, Liz was again looking concerned for Savage. Woman tells Liz that business is business and asks Liz what she was even doing at Nitro last week. I guess they no longer trust Liz to say anything, as she just says, like, I don't know, or I don't know what to say. It's and complicated. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, she, she's, she says, I don't know what to say, and she has never made a truer statement in her whole life. <laughs> Arn says that he has a tough match tonight, and another against Luger at Halloween Havoc, and basically tells Liz to get her shit together. Right. Back to the arena where Hugh Morris is making his way to the ring. Brad Armstrong is out next, and uh, because he always gets a jobber entrance, I'm not sure that we've ever heard his sweet-ass music before. Oh, his music is amazing. It was really good. I loved it. Armstrong got that surprising victory over Morris. Uh, here my notes I wrote last week, so I'm still going with that. Okay. Sure. So I guess this is a rematch uh, to see if that was a fluke or something? He uh, did. Rivalry continues. Anyway, here to call all the action is our own fluke, Dave Amator. <laughs> well, we begin the match with the dynamite stick, letting us know that we're less than a minute away from hour two of Nitro. Brad manages to avoid Morris's clutches for a few moments. But it doesn't last as the Laughing Man unloads with punches in the corner. A whip to the opposite corner ends in disaster as Brad dodges a running splash before executing a hip toss and a drop kick. A second drop kick attempt is avoided by Humorous as Hour 2 begins with sparklers from the ring entrance. Eric Bischoff welcomes us to the second hottest hour in wrestling, which I guess means Hour 1 of Nitro is better than Hour 2? <laughs> yep. Generally, over the last few weeks, that has certainly been the case. (laughs) While the commentators wonder about the location of one Macho Man Randy Savage, Humorous catches Brad Armstrong in midair and slams him to the mat. We then slow way the fuck down as Humorous drops a leg onto Brad's abdomen, and then a splash. After that, we're gifted with a one-way ticket to Headlock City. Admittedly, I sort of tuned out for a bit, and when we returned, it was to witness Brad Armstrong hit Hugh Morris with an inseguri. Brad with a backslide for a two count, while Eric Bischoff bitches about the NWO, which we've heard your story already, Eric. <laughs> a small package gets a two, and also a clothesline right to the chops, courtesy of Mr. Morris. Morris then hits a body slam, followed by the no laughing matter. But he doesn't stop there, Tim. No. He, then he goes to the second corner and hits another no laughing matter. Hugh Morris then hooks a leg, gets a three count, and avenges his loss from my notes say last week as well. Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> so this is total modern day 50-50 booking. Right. Like, let's have a guy get a win and build some momentum and then just undo it next week. Right. Like, what was the point of any of it? <laughs> who who comes out ahead there? No one. <laughs> no one does. Uh, I want to go back to something you said there. You talked about Bischoff uh, complaining about the NWO. Yeah. He talks about, you know, just kind of all their BS. And then he says, if the nasty boys believe what Hulk Hogan's selling him, they're dumber than they look. And Brain comes back with, well, they couldn't be that dumb. (laughs) (laughs) I thought was just an all-time great Bobby Heenan line. I I wrote that down in my notes, too. I I love that comment. (laughs) 
I thought that match was fine. I just I don't understand what they're doing. I don't know if this is heading somewhere. If this is a big Brad Armstrong Hugh Morris feud we're right. going to be seeing, definitely a main event match anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe they're going to have like a big blow off on a Saturday somewhere. night episode yeah. or something. Also, um, I think to me the highlight was after he hit, after Hugh Morris hit the first no laughing matter. Yeah, there was like there was this like look in his face where it's like no, this that's. N- just the start. Yeah. He is so like fired up. He's like, he anticipated this moment. Like when I do this, I'm going to hit another one regardless. Yeah. Um, and plus like his moonsault's really good too. Yeah. Um, especially since like, uh, Brad Armstrong is right in the middle of the ring. So he's getting some distance on yeah. there too. It's yeah. Something. I love the no laughing matter. He, mm-hmm. yeah, just excellent backstage. Arn Anderson and woman are trying to get Liz to come out with them, but she's too scared. They berate her somewhat meanly, and we go to commercial. She clearly is not getting her shit together. (laughs) No. When we return, Eric announces that he's going to try to find out what hotel the NWO are at, and he just leaves the show after telling Shivani that if he wants to, he can come back out and call the rest of Nitro. (laughs) Wait a minute. So he didn't hear the part where they said, hey, we're at the Marriott in Cleveland. (laughs) How many Cleveland Marriott's can there be? (laughs) It's yeah, it's very uh, he and uh, somebody else wants to find them later and has no problem doing so. Right. Yeah. But uh, Eric apparently can never solve that mystery. Yeah, I, do, I, I specifically remember that Scott Hall was like, I sure like this Marriott hotel that we're in. And they said <laughs> the thing about um, Bill Marriott and Ross Perot. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Thing. They made a big deal about it. I, I hope we go back and like everyone has like a Marriott like T-shirt on. It gets just gets more and more obvious. Hello, room service at the Marriott on Smith Street. <laughs> <laughs> As Chris Jericho comes out to face Arn Anderson, Bobby says that he's never seen Eric like that, and that the man is really, really mad inside. <laughs> Kind of, of Jericho, he's on the outside too. Wouldn't you think? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, so uh, kind of a rumor that's been out there. Something that I learned when I was I would sometimes if I have extra time to prepare for these, I'll listen to uh, Brian Alvarez and and his uh, like co-host Vinny Vincent something. Uh, they like recap old nitros, <laughs> and they were doing kind of this era a few years ago. So I went back and found the one where they were talking about this. Especially kind of helps because Brian is a guy who is a wrestler can sometimes point out things that I won't pick up on in, in matches. So sure. I, I steal. I steal Robin Blind. Yeah, uh, liberally steal. I was listening, and he said something that was interesting to me, where he said that this was not in the format for the show, and that Bischoff legitimately got angry about something and left. Uh, hmm. I was skeptical of that. I mean, that's certainly possible. But I was like, what? I mean, the hotel stuff, nothing had been that bad. I mean, the I've heard the rumor before, too. I've, I've heard yeah. that it's the, the uh, SAGS thing. Yeah, the butt thing doesn't. Yeah. I mean, given the way that like he was letting Vincent literally slap him around last mm-hmm. week. Apparently, I, that just rubbed him the wrong way. I mean, that's been the yeah. rumor for a long time is that he got legit mad and legit went to the hotel. It's, it's certainly possible. Uh, so I tried to do a little sleuthing. First, I went to Bischoff himself. I asked if, if that was true, if he left because he was mad. He just responded with no. Mm-hmm. No elaboration. Which, uh, you know, doesn't mean anything from no. him, usually. Yeah, and I tried to ask uh, former WCW producer Neil Pruitt. Uh, he was not at this episode and didn't have the format, so unfortunately we couldn't check that way. Okay. Uh, so if anyone listening has any inside scoop onto what happened... Mm-hmm. That fateful night. You know what? At Starcast, we'll just we'll we'll 
Ask, ask everyone. Yeah, we'll ask Nash. <laughs> we'll ask uh, Hall. We'll ask Waltman. Yeah. Just everyone we see, we'll ask him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll ask the fan that looks like Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags. <laughs> oh, wait. That actually are the... Yeah, when, oh. we, when we run into Vincent uh, with his like unofficial table just outside the hotel in the parking lot. <laughs> right. I'm so... Off the freeway. I'm so certain that we're going to see Virgil oh, somewhere with that wrestling superstar table. Yeah. And I'm very excited for belt. it. <laughs> Of Chris Jericho, Bobby says that everyone is predicting that he's going to be a big, big star and that the women love him. (laughs) (coughs) Well. (laughs) Out next to a big pop is Arn Anderson, accompanied by woman. Uh, Apparently, they could not convince Liz. She just does not come out. Her shit is not together yet. Shivani makes his way to the booth as the bell rings and these guys lock up. They start with some chain wrestling and Jericho manages to hang with the veteran eventually getting a drop toe hold and then a submission that goes nowhere. Back on their feet, they lock up again, and Arn works the arm of the young Lionheart. Jericho reverses a wrist lock into one of his own and lays in with some kicks for good measure. Arn hits some shoulders to the gut to regain control, and we see Liz watching the match on a monitor in the back. Jericho nails an atomic drop and a super kick that sends Arn to the outside. Jericho tries to follow up with a plancha, but Arn dodges. Jericho, however, stopped his momentum and stayed on the ring apron, so he waits for Arn to turn around before diving at him, sending both men sprawling to the arena floor. He tries to follow up on the move, but Woman runs interference and slaps Jericho. Arn recovers and hits some strikes before running Jericho's head into the ring steps. He rolls Jericho back into the ring for some knee drops. Backstage, Miss Elizabeth gets up and leaves. Back in the ring, Arn Anderson hits a scoop slam and goes for a double sledge, but Jericho catches him in the jaw with a nice drop kick. And what I really loved about that moment is Arn is coming off the top, I think the second rope actually, with a double sledge. Uh, and he gets, you know, the coming off the top, getting the drop kick spot. Mm-hmm. Arn is actually clearly going for a move. It's not a flying nothing. Oh, yeah. yeah like, yeah. he has the arms up for the sledge. It looks like he's trying to do something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciated that. Arn and Jericho exchange strikes until Jericho sort of hits Arn with a spinning jump kick for two. He doesn't really kick him, but his like thigh catches him on the way around while he's spinning, so sure. it sort of works. Jericho gets a back body drop, and Arn rolls outside the ropes and stands in the apron, but he is sent to the floor by a Jericho springboard shoulder block. Arn crawls back into the ring, and Jericho races to the top rope and takes Arn down with a nice flying back elbow for two. Jericho goes for a lion salt but misses, and Arn seizes the opportunity for a DDT. Jericho stares at the lights for one, two, three, and Arn Anderson is your winner. Uh, I thought this was a good match. I don't like seeing Jericho already losing on Nitro. Mm-hmm. At least it's to Arn Anderson, so I guess it doesn't hurt him that and, much. And at this time, it's just good that he's like making appearances too. <laughs> sure. And he um, held his own. I mean, mm-hmm. he he had a lot of the offense in the match. And I thought I thought the execution of the ending was excellent too, yep. yeah. Because it was like immediately after he missed, and uh, Jericho was not able to get like all the way back to his feet, right? So it set him up like perfectly for a DDT, and and Arn Anderson's DDT is also awesome too. So yeah, what do you think, Rob? I'm a Arn Anderson fan. Yeah, I really enjoyed this match, and like you said, Jericho's only been around for a couple of weeks now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, it's not going to hurt him at all. Not going to hurt him losing to Arn Anderson. Yeah. Of all people. So, I thought it was super inoffensive. Yeah, this is something that uh, Melter, for some reason, like, really bitched about. I think 
two different times Jericho's in his recap. His yeah, exactly. He likes Jericho, mm-hmm. so he complains about this like two or three times in the Observer that covers this episode. Whereas I was like, I don't like that he lost, but I, I didn't see it as a big deal. Certainly. No. Well, and and plus, like he's losing to Arn Anderson, right? You know? Yeah, it's not like not he, like. He hey, lost Ar- to Jim Powers. Or Arn Anderson has back-to-back Nitro victories over Hulk Hogan, okay? <laughs> right? So. He's got credentials. <laughs> we go to commercial, and when we come back, Tony hypes up the rest of the card and reminds us of Bischoff's strong statement against the NWO that opened our show. And also that he's gone. Backstage, Miss Elizabeth has her bags packed, and she's leaving the arena. Everyone wants out of here early tonight. I can't. Have you I seen the show so far? <laughs> Once the boss leaves, it's definitely like, how much longer before I can just kind of sneak out of here? Yep, he's not being supervised anymore. As M. Wall Street makes his way to the ring, Tony claims that Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc is to be the most important pay-per-view in WCW history. Yikes. No hyperbole there. I always love pointing those things out because on his podcast, he will kind of say that that stuff that he's known for, all that hyperbole, comes later as he's kind of getting overproduced and they're oh, getting desperate. Yeah. But like, no, if you actually watch these shows, he's like that from the start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think, uh, going back to the very beginning of the show, he said something right after they, uh, did their cold open. He was like, it's the lowest point in the history of this great show. Yes. Yeah. So wait, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't sit here and tell me that you haven't done this forever. And I'm pretty sure bash of the beach. 96 was the most important night in the history of wrestling. Right. Too. So, yep. so. Out next is Lex Luger, and it's nice to have his music back. He's been paired up with Sting for so long that we have not really heard Lex's theme in quite a while. Mm-hmm. I And I really like Lex's I theme. always yeah. enjoyed Luger's music, too. Uh, here to call all the action, as my voice does whatever that was, yeah. is our own half the package, Dave Amatorp. Fair enough. I think that's fair. I like... Um, when it comes to uh, M Wall Street, I like to think that when they when they change that from VK, that uh, there's a stipulation outstanding for him that once he gets a win on Nitro, he gets his full first name back. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And and get, and taking that into consideration, I'm I'm curious to see if he actually would fulfill that because I do not believe he'll ever win. On I Nitro. can't imagine that he'll have a Nitro victory. Maybe it's that just we win a match. <laughs> right. Yeah, maybe if we find like an archive of pro from 96, <laughs> we can see him beat somebody. Yeah. Uh, to start off, I never thought or really cared about um, how big M. Wall Street is until seeing him next to Lex Luger. I mean, the guy's still terrible, yeah. but he's also a big guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's big. Yeah. Yeah. He's big and terrible. Big and terrible. Big old terrible. Collar and elbow tie-up turns into an exchange of hammerlocks, which M. Wall Street tries to break up by reaching the ropes. However, Flexi Lexi will have none of that, and he brings M. Wall Street to the mat with an arm drag, followed by a leg drop onto the arm. Another collar and elbow tie-up is Advantage M. Wall Street, but this is short-lived as Lex Luger body slams him for a two-count. Luger comes off the ropes, and M. Wall Street tosses him out of the ring by his flowing golden locks. Ah. Uh. Uh-huh. And Wall Street slams Luger's face to the barricade, then returns to the ring. Once Lex returns to the ring, M. Wall Street wraps him up in an abdominal stretch. And this gives us the uh, the classic grab the ropes until the referee uh, does the hand check routine to see if he's grabbing the ropes. Right, yep. Uh, in which it's like... Grabbing the ropes that gives you no leverage whatsoever. Right. Plus, like, given... Even if you pretend they give you leverage, he's way too close. Like, yeah. it looks actually much more awkward the way that he's grabbing them. Right. 
and I don't know if it's just like the way that's always set up, but it's always Randy Anderson. It seems to me. Oh, sure. It seems like it's always Randy Anderson. Anyway, uh, Randy does finally catch him in the act. So M wall street releases the submission hold. A whip off the ropes gives us a goddamn sunset flip from Lex fucking Luger for a two count. <laughs> Holy! <laughs> <laughs> this only angers M. Wall Street, who slams Luger before dropping a quick elbow for two. And now it's rest hold time in the form of a rear chin lock. While M. Wall Street hits a, a leg drop for two, Bobby Heenan talks about the NWO imprisoning Eric Bischoff for a year and him coming out of it as a pair of drapes. I missed that entirely. I missed that yeah. entire thing. <laughs> it was. It I was, probably zoned it out in this awesomeness. Yeah, it was really, it was really weird, and he didn't really get the opportunity to explain what he meant by that. Yeah. So he thinks the NWO is going to turn into drapes. I guess. Maybe he had his water bottle again. <laughs> right. Another thing that happens uh, on the announcement during this match is Tanay points out that the NWO picks their spots and that they seem to have sources. Inside mm-hmm. WCW. And as an example of that, he says that they knew that WCW would have a lot of their roster in Japan last week, which Bischoff had announced weeks ahead of time right. on Nitro. Not really much of a source if you just are watching TV. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Tanae is not watching Nitro when he's no. not talking. <laughs> no. Right. Meanwhile, guess what? We get another rear chin lock. Back on their feet. Luger rallies back with a schoolboy and a small package, both of which only get a two count for the total package. <laughs> Luger with a flying forearm for two, which used to literally knock Yokozuna out of the goddamn ring, <laughs> yet now cannot get a victory <laughs> off of M. Yeah, Wall Street. Yeah. And Wall Street uh, recuperates and hits Luger with a clothesline, but a suplex attempt is countered by the torture rag. Yeah. <laughs> It was uh, one of the more surprising reversals I've seen. And obviously, M. Wall Street submits. He's not going to last long in the torture rack. And this match was seven minutes long. Yeah, it was pretty goddamn boring. It felt like 17 minutes long. But Lex Luger flipping out of a clothesline and then doing the torture rack, it it was almost fluid. Yeah. Um, that was that was one of the better endings I've seen to a Luger match. I thought that was a pretty cool way to do it. Yeah, I think WCW is oft criticized uh, for not having great finishes, uh, but mm-hmm. like we've had two matches in a row on this Nitro that had great finishes. I think. Yeah, I I think that's like they have great finishes, but they, there's a lot of really bad finishes. Right, right. And you right. tend to think about the bad finishes, such as like everything that's been related to Nick Patrick so far. Sure. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, and I will say that uh, the crowd popped big for the torture rack. So yeah. they did not hold the seven and a half minutes of tedium too much against Lex. <laughs> right. They're still into into Luger very mm-hmm. much right now. I think they just wanted to see a big name star on their show. And they were like, oh, my God, Lex Luger. Yeah. Oh! We go to commercial and the Faces of Fear have a bumper promo where they growl behind Jimmy Hart who tells the Rock and Roll Express that tonight will be the night the music dies. (laughs) When we come back to the show, Tony says that it takes a big man to admit when he's wrong, and it takes a big company to admit when they're wrong. (laughs) He recaps the entire company thinking that Sting had betrayed them and how that caused the company to lose war games. 
Tony then introduces the WCW Vroom Vroom Racing Car from NASCAR's Bush Series, which has been rebranded as the Sting Car. <laughs> what a lame-ass way of apologizing to Sting. <laughs> you know, if I'm Sting, I'm like, you know what, guys? It's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Thanks for the car, guys. I'm yeah. back in the fold. Yeah. Let's do this. Do I get the car? Oh, oh no, we just painted you on it. Oh. That guy's going to drive it around. Yeah. Well, I'm out. What do you mean I can't just drive it once? <laughs> That's such a lame thing. But right. yeah, so there's number three uh, stock cars with WCW branding on them, though. <laughs> what an odd trend to be ran into. Yeah, all, very suddenly, too. <laughs> like, Eric, we had always, the... Eric always thought that uh, wrestling and NASCAR, they go yeah. hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did have that one car that showed up with the driver. He was on like a couple times in the early Nitros. But ever since, like that, oh, that was a yeah. long time ago. Yeah. We have not seen hide nor hair of that guy ever since and it's it's like uh i don't i don't know how nascar was doing during this time but it was like hey you know you guys have a car do you want more do you want some more cars <laughs> how many cars put, you want? put whatever you want on there jimmy hart leads the faces of fear to the ring the rock and roll express are out next accompanied by their mullets Tanae says the Rock and Roll Express are one of the greatest teams from the 80s trying to expand that legend into the 90s, but they'll have a tough time with the, quote, Island Savages, yep. Bang and the Barbarian. Mm-hmm. Some stuff just does not age well. They just, it just, no. They just, you think you're going to get through it one match, but nope. <laughs> it never, always something about them being cannibals or whatever. Ricky Morton and Meng start off exchanging strikes until Meng overpowers Ricky, though Morton soon catches him with a sleeper hold. Bobby claims that Meng hasn't been to sleep since 1962. <laughs> Meng shrugs off Morton. Maybe that's why he's so crabby. Oh. <laughs> Meng shrugs off Morton and starts kicking him. Meng goes for a back body drop, but Morton floats over and goes for a sleeper a second time. Meng drops to his knees and again shrugs Morton off. Meng charges Morton into a corner, but Morton ducks, and Meng is knocked silly by the turnbuckles. Morton figures third time's a charm and goes up for yet another sleeper. (laughs) This time, Meng backs up into a corner several times, sandwiching Morton between himself and the turnbuckles. Barbarian is tagged in, and the Tongans hit a dual headbutt. Tony hopes we hear a report from Eric Bischoff tonight, and Bobby agrees, saying that he'd rather hear about it tonight on Nitro than in the obituaries tomorrow. (laughs) Barbarian, wow. <laughs> Barbarian scoops Morton up, so Gibson hops up and drop kicks them down, so Morton lands on top. That gets a two count. Robert Gibson then covers Barbarian for some reason. I mean, he's not the legal man. I'm going to allow this. And even more inexplicably, Mark Curtis counts it. So again, <laughs> Barbarian kicks out at two. Morton tries again, another two. Both rock and rollers cover, and Barb still tosses them off. <laughs> and okay, the legal man stuff was goofy and stupid and everyone was ignoring the rules. Yeah. But it was kind of worth it for the payoff of Barbarian throwing two men off right. of him. <laughs> I believe it. Uh, so I don't know. I, I I have trouble sometimes with that stuff where like the ref is just ignoring the rules because it's setting up like a little comedy or yeah. something. But if you have a sweet enough payoff, I guess you can just look the other way. Do you, do you feel hurt when your credibility is brought into question or, or do you just that. or do you just like setting up a spot is it just fun you know you oh, know where I, the payoff is going so. i enjoy those kind of things yeah sure gibson is tagged in properly and he and barbarian lock up barbarian nails back elbows in a corner and hits a big corner splash morton tries to pump up the crowd but the people don't care 
Uh, <laughs> no, they they don't give any. <laughs> They're not no. paying attention to this match. No. Gibson executes a sunset flip for two. We go to commercial with Wildcat Willie. Uh, be seen. He seems to try to be figuring out how to break into the WCW stock car. Yeah, he's like peering through the windows. He looks very <laughs> suspicious. <laughs> right. We cut back and we see a sunset flip this time by Ricky Morton, who is in there with the Barbarian. But Barbarian grabs the ropes to stay standing. Mark Curtis, for no reason, seems to think that this is illegal. The Barbarian <laughs> is grabbing the ropes to keep yeah. himself up. Really, he grabbed the ropes. That should be a hold break. Yeah. Ricky yeah. Morton should have to let go of the hold. Yep. Right. But instead, Mark Curtis kicks Barbarian's hand off the ropes so he can't study himself anymore. Hmm. So Barbarian instead grabs Curtis's shirt. <laughs> Curtis That's shoves him fair off. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I, yeah. I don't like any violence against referees, but I get it. <laughs> Curtis slaps his hand away, and the Barbarian finally goes down for two. So Mark Curtis really fucked him over there for yeah. real no reason. Barbarian confers with Meng, and Morton takes advantage with a roll-up for two. Barbarian clotheslines Morton and tags in Meng. Meng hits a pile driver and covers, but Gibson breaks it up. Meng gets Morton with an atomic drop, and Barbarian hits a big boot, but Gibson again breaks up the pin. The Barbarian hits a hell of a powerbomb on Ricky Morton. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ooh, boy. And mm -hmm. it... I'm sure Morton wasn't sandbagging him necessarily, but like it looked like he's kind of deadlifting him there. Yeah. And, and maybe there was a little extra oomph because he was like, fuck you if you're not going to go up for me. Right. Like he really throws him down hard. Yep. Yep. Morton somehow manages to kick out it too. Barbarian follows with a sick backbreaker. Uh, another very, very hard move where he's going for full impact. And Morton again manages to somehow escape not only with his life, but before the three counts. <laughs> Meng comes in and locks in a modified camel clutch. Morton, like, I don't know if he just doesn't want to, so he's not laying out for the camel clutch. Instead, he's, like, on his knees, mm -hmm. which is just, like, a more comfortable way of taking the camel clutch, I <laughs> right. suppose. Morton escapes, but Meng stays in control with strikes. Heenan asks Tony if he knows what you call Hulk Hogan buried up to his neck in sand. <laughs> Not enough sand. Uh, Tony loves that one. Yeah. That <laughs> Tony wonderful. really likes that. It was that. wonderful. Yeah. He has a follow-up about like uh, cement and yeah, the NWA. It wasn't exactly. as yeah. It's the same yeah. joke and it's not as good. Yeah, he he should have cut his losses. Yeah. I think he like got such a laugh out of Tony that he was like, "Oh, I'm going for more." <laughs> he went to the wall one too many times. <laughs> I mean, Tony can be like such a stuffed shirt robot that I think if you yeah. get him like laughing, you're like, "Oh, look at I I did something right." After an Irish whip from Barbarian, Morton comes back out of the corner with a crossbody for two. Gibson gets a weak rock and roll chant going, and if you really listen, some boos are actually mixed in there as well. <laughs> Probably because they're bored to tears by this yeah. thing. Barbarian scoop slams Morton, and the faces of fear hit double diving headbutts, but Gibson breaks up the pin yet again. Barbarian goes for a top rope headbutt, but Morton moves. We get a hot tag to Robert Gibson to almost no pop at all. <laughs> Gibson hits a knee lift in an enziguri. Corner punches are next, and suddenly Morton and Meng are in the ring too, and the Rock and Roll Express hit the double drop kick on Meng. Gibson grabs Jimmy Hart, who has popped up on the apron, and Barbarian hits him in the back of the head with a big boot, which manages to finally get the one, two, three. Finally. Uh, yeah, I think we probably don't need to say much about that match after the fact. It was boring. Oh, and that sucked. Yep. 
the highlight was that power bomb. Like I would watch that for eight minutes, but I didn't need the rest <laughs> yes. of it. Seemed like neither team wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. Of and, yeah, and you it, could just it, tell it, by the it rock seemed like rules. at some point the Rock and Roll Express were like, we just don't really want to cooperate here. That's yeah. exactly and, what and it, it seemed, was. And it seemed like that that like with the power bomb and the backbreaker that, that he's like, well, fuck you then. I'm just gonna rough you up then. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. What, yeah. That's how you're gonna act if you're gonna get uh, non-participatory in there. Yeah. I, I don't think Meng and the Barbarian <laughs> are the guys you want to try that. <laughs> shit probably with. the wrong two guys <laughs> to try right. that nonsense with. It just didn't work at all. The Faces of Fear continue the attack on Gibson after the bell until Public Enemy, the WCW Tag Team Champions, fuck me, run in for the save. <laughs> Rocco Rockets, the back body... <laughs> Rocco Rockets, back body dropped over the top rope and the Faces of Fear ground Johnny Grunge and start attacking his exposed knee. The attack on one half of the Tag Team Champions continues. It's like supposed to be a brutal attack on his knee. They pull his knee pad off, but we just cut to commercial as if this does not matter at all. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, it is, in fact, important because Johnny Grunge needs surgery. And oh. uh, we are looking for reasons to set up why that's going to happen. <laughs> so that aforementioned rematch that uh, Public oh. Enemy has against the Harlem Heat on oh, Saturday night. I got a bad feeling about this. I yeah. think that might be important. <laughs> yeah. Like, was there any reason why the... I mean, like, any story... You guys have been watching these a lot yeah. more. Was there any reason why the Public Enemy would have even ran out for this? Uh, I think the oh oh no, there's okay. no storyline. Well, I was just like, uh, I'm watching it. And I'm like, what? Why? Why the no, hell are had, they coming out? That they've had no issues with the Dungeon of Doom, uh, no issues with Faces uh, of Fear. There's there's really no reason at all okay. other than I yeah. Why why didn't why didn't I mean just, I don't mean to rebook the show, but why didn't Public Enemy just face the Faces of Fear? Forget about Hooventude and El Technico. Right. And then they could have done the match, and they had a beatdown after the match, and then right. he gets his knee injured. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, I don't... Uh, WCW. Well, and from what... Reading the observers, it seems like this knee issue has been known about for a while, so why did Public Enemies win the belt in the first place? It doesn't <laughs> seem like the long-term plan was to ever really have them go into Halloween Havoc, despite the fact that they claimed that a few times. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that ever really was... I think it was just... Pop, trying to pop TV ratings by showing like we trade belts on, on oh, Nitro. Look at what's happening here. <laughs> <laughs> I really think, especially because we have so many weeks until Halloween Havoc. Yeah. I think that was the only reason was they were like, let's just have the tag belts trade back and forth a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll just choose public enemies since they're going to be out for a while anyway. I, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's really it was, baffling. It was weird and just didn't make any sense to me. The following announcement has been paid for by the new world order. Not I got the man. I got Kyle here, man. Kyle Petty. I said, 
You want to be a Hollywood superstar, Hollywood? I'll make a movie for with you. You drive for us. We made the deal, right, brother? We made hey, the deal, man. Get the trade off, man. Welcome Your dad saw me bro. on TV a couple weeks ago. I'm throwing a couple of punches. They said, come drive the NWO car. I said, I'm there, baby. They said, the WCW Yo. car's been out there. I didn't even know the WCW had a car. What's the deal about it, man? Next Saturday, it's us. Kyle Petty and Sweet! You know something, bro? October 5th, we win in Charlotte, then what happens, Hollywood? Then after that, we go to Halloween Havoc, and just like Kyle Petty, two lefts and a right brother, the Nacho Man <laughs> in Las Vegas. Don't bet against Hollywood, man, because the Outsiders, my blood, Woo. the NWO, with a six-man on my side, Nasty Nick, everybody else involved in the room here in the party, brother, Macho Man, you're Giant. going down. It's Halloween Havoc. The big giant, and the thing is, Elizabeth, big man. Elizabeth, it's going to be trick and treat. We cut back to the hotel, and the NWO and the Nasties are hanging out in a hotel room stuffing their faces. Or rather, everyone is sitting around watching Brian Knob stuff his fat fucking face. <laughs> right. He's got <laughs> a giant plate of food, and he's just eating it. And literally at one point, I think Hulk Hogan says... Hey, some of the other guys are hungry too. <laughs> I'm assuming that was like a joke they were all in on, but yeah. it comes across really hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Petty is now in the hotel room as well. Hogan talks about how his son Nick likes race cars, so he delivered with Kyle Petty and the NWO car. And I'll kind of skip all the back chatter, but it takes him forever to say that because people keep interrupting him. Right. And finally, Hogan gets pissed and says, shut up. And then he continues with the rest of his life. Listen, brothers. <laughs> uh, Petty cuts a short promo just talking about uh, he likes racing. He likes the NWO. It's fine. He says like two sentences and he's fine. He, Kyle he... Petty cuts a promo. <laughs> so like I wrote down like in my notes, I was like. I watched the NWO, like, from the beginning to the end. Yeah. And, like, I thought the NWO was, like, the coolest thing in yeah. 1996. <laughs> yeah. Watching this segment, yeah. I was like, God, this is the lamest group of middle-aged people and I've that, ever yeah. seen. That was, pre- that was last week, too, uh, when they added Vincent, and you realize that, oh, man, like, the, um, yeah, like, the cool factor, like, wore off really quickly. Right. Yeah, I wasn't watching Nitro at the time, but in 96, I would have been 13. Yeah. And I would have thought that Kevin Nash sitting there on commentary making all these little wisecracks, I would have thought that was so cool. Yeah. But watching it at 35, and he's probably a similar age in 96. Right. And I'm just like, (laughs) what a fucking asshole. (laughs) Like, what a dick. Just shut up. Just do your job and be nice to people. What's wrong with you? Hogan promises to beat Macho Man at Hollywood Havoc. Hollywood Havoc, nice. I say that all the time. It's because yeah. it's because uh, my favorite podcast is called Hollywood Handbook. Yeah, which is similar. And sometimes in my notes, I just write HH, which if I'm texting people, sometimes I mean Hollywood Handbook. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so let me go back. Hogan promises to beat Macho Man at Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc. Hogan then promises Liz that it will be trick and treat. Oh, oh snap. <laughs> into a Slim Jim. God. Back on the show, Mongo comes out with Deborah. They are accompanying Chris Benoit, who comes out to his own music, a shameful waste when I could be hearing the Horseman theme. Mm-hmm. 
Rick Steiner is out alone, just Steinerized, and Bobby clowns in the dog face gremlin nickname a bit. Here is Rick Steiner, and this should be one high-impact, hard-hitting matchup as the man they know as the dog face gremlin. Nice name. Hey, Mom, I'm dating the dog face gremlin. Mom, is it okay if I marry the dog face gremlin? You're going to be a grandmother, courtesy of the dog face gremlin. That's nice. Might be easier than wrestling the dog face gremlin. A lot easier. Which is what Chris Benoit has to do. <laughs> he just, they mentioned that it's his nickname, and he's like, what kind of name is that? Oh, Mom, uh, I'm bringing home the dog face gremlin. Hey, hey Mom, is it okay if I marry the dog face gremlin? <laughs> <laughs> I just like how he, he says that as like, who asked that as a question? Nick Patrick tells the camera that he's working hurt despite the attack from Macho Man. He promises that Macho hasn't heard the last of him because he is the law. <laughs> Valiant wow. effort by Nick Patrick tonight. Yeah. What year did Judge Dredd come out? The Stallone one. 95? So I Am the Law was probably somewhat in the zeitgeist right now. Yeah. Because that was like a big suck. line in the, in the preview. Yeah. Oh, the movie was terrible, but I remember the previews. That yeah, was like I a big the, line yeah. from mm -hmm. We get a commercial with a Slim Jim's Halloween. Halloween Havoc. We go to commercial and get another promo for Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc. Uh, this time we actually get some of the card. It's like more just generic where they show wrestling and a guy runs down the card. But notably, he says that Flair will face the Giant and that the Outsiders will face Harlem Heat. <laughs> now we know that what? Flair will not end up facing the Giant, but they've already gone ahead and let us know that uh, well, the well, Public Enemy will not be... Yeah. Yes, we do know what that Saturday night match is going to... Well, when we come back, it is time for the Crippler Chris Benoit versus the Dogface Gremlin Rick Steiner. And here to call all the action is our own Dogface Dave Amator. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh. Okay, well... A collar and elbow tie-up turns into some furious battling for position as the two men tangle against the ropes. They break clean, but it isn't long before they are trading punches. Rick Steiner ducks a clothesline and annihilates Benoit with his uh, really sweet released German suplex, which I kind of think is his best move. I really like his released German suplex. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Uh, the Crippler ducks out of the ring to recuperate, and when he returns back, uh, Benoit gains the advantage, kicking the gremlin right in his dog face. <laughs> I like it. A clothesline from Benoit gets a two only. The trade blows again before Rick Steiner drops a crippler with a snapmare, followed by a rear chin lock. A follow-up elbow drop gets nothing but Matt, giving Benoit the opening that he needs. Uh, Benoit hits a snap suplex, and the two are tangled up in the ropes again. He whips Steiner into the opposite corner, but Rick counters with a boot and a stiff clothesline. As Rick Steiner sets Benoit up in the corner, Deborah McMichael distracts referee Nick Patrick. Before uh, Rick Steiner can hit a top rope belly-to-belly -belly suplex, Mongo gets in the ring and drills Steiner with a Halburn suitcase. Yeah. It's so blatant that Tony Schiavone can't even, like, ignore it. Yeah. Uh, Benoit lands on top of Rick, and that that's it. He gets the three count from that. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole time, Tony is like, how? I know his neck's hurt, but his ears aren't hurt, are they? You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this match, so this match is like it's like four minutes long. It's there's some parts that are pretty nice because they're like two pretty stiff wrestlers kind of going at it. Yeah, and that's what I would kind of want to see between these two. But it's it's pretty much a nothing match. Yeah, it was about four and a half minutes. It, there was a couple big moves. It was something where I was like, I would like to see a longer 
pay-per-view version of this. Mm-hmm. I know that we won't really get that style. Like, Rick Steiner won't really have a serious singles push for a few years to come here. Yeah. Um, so it was it was fine, though, uh, for four and a half minutes. I A questionable main event. Like, your main event yeah. is a four and a half minute just okay match. Right. Like, what was – why? Uh, what do you think, It didn't Robbie? make any sense. Yeah. Uh, the, the match was – fine for what it was again it was super short mm-hmm. it just it was a match but yeah. going back to your point yeah i mean these are two guys that you would think that if you give them 10 12 minutes mm-hmm. probably could be a pretty good match yeah yeah and they, they seem like they would be the two guys that kind of would want to one-up each other as far as like right. physicality Physi- yeah, yeah exactly i would also like to see uh maybe I mean, I know parts of it would be terrible, but I'd like to see Benoit and Mongo versus the Steiner brothers. Oh, that could be some yeah. stiff, gross There could be stuff. some fun stuff in that match. Yeah. yeah. And, well, aren't we at some Jim's Halloween Havoc? Aren't we getting Benoit and Mongo against uh, the Faces of Fear? Yes, ah. I believe so. And I, I think they mentioned that during commentary. Oh, yeah. okay. Nice. I, I didn't pick up on that. That'll be. I would love to watch that. Yeah. Wait, so here's a question I have. Is the actual title of the show Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc, or is it just Halloween Havoc? It's uh this for this year. It's Slim Jim's okay. Halloween, ha- mm-hmm. Halloween it, it's Havoc. It's just yeah. been driving me nuts because I've heard it mentioned like yeah about a dozen times. They just started doing that last week, and we thought it was funny, so we started mm-hmm. doing it too. I, I try not to mention it without calling it Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc. Right? Yeah. No. It's just they emphasize it so much that you. You want to think it's like the entire show, like the that, name of it. Yeah. Is bad, so. I'm so excited for the show. I love the logo with the creepy Slim Jims guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like a major part of the set design when we get there. Yeah. Um, so I'm really, really excited. I love and, this And if set, you weren't but, excited before that Randy Savage commercial, because yeah. he was like, ooh, it's all spooky around there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's always spooky around <laughs> Halloween time. <laughs> right. Uh, I, just a weird thing I want to point out during the match. Tony makes a big deal about saying goodbye to longtime WCW ring crew member Rob Wright, which is not something they normally take the time to do. Yeah, and and he's just like getting a different job, isn't he? Yeah. It sounds like with, outside of WCW. Yeah. 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 And Larry makes a joke about I hope it's not with the NWO, which I thought was actually a really nice yeah, touch. Yeah, that, that um, was fun. Yeah, but it's not like it's not like he's retiring. Or, or that, dying or, or dying. something. Yeah, yeah. Like he's just, died he's or... Just, He's going to work somewhere else. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought it was kind of weird, weird. too. But, it, I mean, it's also like, oh, it's nice to know that, like, these people backstage are, like, true. they yeah. care about them. And that so. was something that was kind of cool that WCW did a lot, where they'd be like, oh, I'm going to wish happy birthday to my kid, but oh, yeah. not mention that he's my kid. Mm-hmm. You know, like Tony, yeah. uh, like Jesse Ventura years ago would be like, I just want to wish a happy birthday to Tyrell. Ah, uh, a little sneaky shout out. Back watching, I know a little kid named Tyrell watching in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just weird stuff like that. I always found that to be kind of cool on their part. Following the match, Trash streams in from the crowd. Uh, not at the level we often see, but people mm-hmm. are still like, oh, it's a Nitro show and it seems like it's wrapping up, so right. what else am I going to throw, Trash? <laughs> I've heard a rumor that that's because like the show sucks so bad. Uh, that for could most be. people's, like, because... They were promised NWO people. Yeah. They were promised big names, and none of that stuff happened outside of Luger. Yeah. So the crowd was just like, ah, screw this. This sucks. And there was another Nitro uh, that we covered that was within the last month where 
the NWO were advertised, and they were on the show, but it was all in the parking lot. It was the fake Sting oh, debut yeah. episode, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and we remember that the crowd was really unhappy about it, was booing vociferously, mm-hmm. and that WCW sort of promised via like comments that somebody within the organization made to Dave Meltzer that they were going to be adding video screens and all this so that people can see what's happening yeah. when it's not in the arena. They have not done that yet. No, so these that people are the just case. sitting there yep. wondering, where's Hulk Hogan? Why like, aren't <laughs> I seeing Scott Hall? Why is nothing happening they right now? They don't get to see all those god-awful hotel segments. Meanwhile, Flair is off uh, this very day meeting with James Andrews, the orthopedic surgeon. Yep. So he's not on the show for the second straight week. Sting is filming Liar Liar or getting ready to film Liar Liar. Filming, mm-hmm. I believe. Yep. So it's, yeah, there's just like this confluence of events where everyone's back from, uh, oh, and Savage isn't yeah, on the show. Never, yeah, we've never, I don't think anybody has ever said why Savage wasn't on the show. He just wasn't on the show, but he was in Cleveland because they did the. Yeah. Yeah. I assume. Yeah. Sorry. We'll get to where he appears. No, no, that's. Um, but you're right. Why couldn't he appear earlier in the show? Yeah. And then absolutely doesn't make any sense. Tony signs off, and we see the trademark stuff. But he does mention that there's going to be a final word from the NWO. Here they go again. The following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. Not anymore. right and you look at the whole spectrum of the whole situation you'll see you look at me no. i don't have any listen to me i don't have the acting ability i have none mm-hmm. i've done two movies no, you're, already you're good brother you're real good two movies i did a movie with arnold schwarzenegger you're really arnold good. you're really you're i good just bad. did a movie last Here's week off the <laughs> if you listen to me See, this is our group. This is our thing. Family. We all take care of each other. It's the way we work. You know, I don't, you know there's no question. No, there's no... I don't need to understand. Oh, I'm man. telling you. You got to be Hollywood. Tell her Hollywood. The NWO is the Tell her Hollywood. Tell her. Let me straighten it out. You know, this whole thing's a You know, don't worry about it. Rain. Champ, champ, champ. Just hold off on that for Wait a minute, Vince. Vince. He's telling Vince. Vince. He's telling Vince. 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 Macho Man, Halloween Havoc. It's gonna be history. You don't understand, Hook. I mean, everything's changed since the deal was made. Kids. No, I do you understand. understand. I do understand. Bring a bell, but it's not gonna change. Bring a present. Bring a present. You understand? You understand? We'll make it work. Don't worry. Hey, you're sitting there about to break a sweat. What you gotta do? Help me get Yeah. 
We see them, and they're still hanging out in the hotel, only now Liz is with them. Hulk and Giant are trying to convince her to join them. Giant says, look at me. I have no acting ability. None. But I've done two <laughs> movies already. God, it's shooting. It's hilarious. He yeah. nails the line. He yeah. nails it. It's so funny. He's just like, with listen, I can't act yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> he says that he just did a movie with Arnold, uh, Jingle All the Way, of course. Mm-hmm. And he says that he did one with Jim Carrey, which I assume means he was supposed to be in the part of Liar Liar with Sting. That ends up not being what yep. they use in the movie. That was the. That's what I've heard. Is that it, okay. they filmed like a Sting giant match or something, and then they and just it ends never up being showed up. Rick Rude. I want to say they mentioned Rick Rude, but then they obviously yeah they don't actually they, see they, wrestling. You don't actually yeah. see the wrestling. Hogan tries to tell Liz something, but Vincent starts to interrupt with a big gift. But nobody cares or wants to listen to Vincent. <laughs> right. Yeah, Vincent has his package. Who, <laughs> who invited Vincent? <laughs> Hulk pitches Liz some more, and Liz says that everything has changed since, quote, the deal was made. Liz leaves as the NWO opens the present. It's kind of like she sneaks out like they're all of a sudden so enamored with this gift because she just, the way she leaves, it looks like she thinks she's sneaking. Yeah. I don't know if they realize she's No, they're just like, oh, what's this shiny thing over here? Yeah. Liz, you're... So the camera follows her, uh, so we don't actually see what's inside the, the box, but if you kind of listen between all the crosstalk, you can hear the giant say, I've got the U.S. Heavyweight Championship. So I did not pick uh, that up. I'm thinking that, uh, and of course, I you guys have seen Nitro. I have not seen next week's Nitro, not 22 years ago, not recently. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that they did some kind of angle where somebody beat up Flair and stole the belt, and that's how he's part of he's getting stripped or something. Uh, but we'll have to see. I'm, I'm anxious to see where that goes. Yep. Mm-hmm. The camera instead has followed Liz into the hallway where the macho man suddenly runs in and confronts her. Uh, He's just sort of screaming at her like, what is she doing? Why is she here? Twice he yells, you gotta be ribbing. Oh, that was my favorite part. (laughs) You gotta be ribbing me. Uh, He he really, really yells at her. Son of a bitch. Yeah. I gotta be honest, like, this felt too real to me. Yeah. Like, Randy Savage yelling at Liz in a hotel room hallway has probably happened so many times for real. Yeah, especially with all those stories that are out there. Yeah, I did not like seeing it. It just like it seemed very easy for him the way that he like grabbed her arm and yelled at her. It's like, oh, you just know this has happened so many times. I think that would age poorly anyway, because I just don't think you like seeing a huge wrestler yell at the tiny woman who has not right. had a physical role at all. Yeah. Right. That would be uncomfortable anyway, but just knowing the actual real life history at two between these two specific people mm-hmm. made it m- even more uncomfortable. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that is where our episode ends. Uh, so, <laughs> right. So yep. let's say kind of on the whole, Rob, we'll start with you. What did you think of this episode of Nitro? Uh, I think I was mentioning to Dave, off air that I probably had to watch this in five separate parts because it was just uh, I I could not sit down and watch this mm-hmm. in yeah. one sitting. Yeah, this was a pretty it was rough. And coming on the heels of last week's episode, which was also not good. Yeah, Dave, I get the feeling you kind of feel the same way. Well, I just there there's so many like aspects of the of this episode that they just like drop. Like what happened to Bishop? What happens with the Macho Man when he shows up? Yeah. What's the package that they're opening? There's like, there's like, yeah. What's in the box? Now, the most compelling uh, 
reason to believe the Bischoff really did leave because he was shoot mad about something right. is the fact that it does never come up for the right. rest of the show. Nope. Like, Liz found the hotel. Like we said, it's easy to find the Cleveland Marriott. Right. Uh, but Bischoff is just gone. I don't know if it's going to... But we've also... We've had a number of times where Bischoff is just not somewhere where he's supposed to be. Like, uh, and they write it off as, like, no big deal. That happens all the time on Nitro. Like Bash at the Beach. <laughs> yeah, Bash at the Beach. That, that's Eric Bischoff's thing. That's what he does. <laughs> yes. They never brought that up again. They were just like, oh, he had transportation problems. Yeah, and there was another one, uh, a Nitro after that, where he, like, got kidnapped and they dropped off his bag or whatever you remember that they're like oh that's eric bischoff's briefcase or whatever and oh, then he just yeah. the next week he was like no i was in meetings like i don't know what the big worry was about mm-hmm. and it's that's some of that stuff that ended up being good foreshadowing but at the time just was bad Probably storytelling nothing. right all right yeah this uh my notes basically just say this was a real wheel spinner <sighs> it just felt like we've got so many weeks till halloween havoc yeah we don't really know what to do mm-hmm. let's just throw out some shit and just get through another week i i feel like just like the question you could keep asking the whole episode is where are they going with this yeah um i mean the matches seem pretty much random um, as far as who actually shows up or why they're having matches with right. each other or how this actually like hypes up anything that's going to be happening at, at some gyms, Halloween havoc. Um, but yeah, it just, it's told, this is totally one of those episodes that in a week or so I'll forget everything that happened. Yep. On right. It. Like the only thing that would even have any repercussions is the random attack on Johnny grunge. Sure, oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. other than that, what what really got advanced? Nothing. Well, we know our, our little nasty Nick and Knights now in the NWO. Uh, Kyle Petty's <laughs> in the NWO. Uh, Elizabeth, I guess, is a NWO member now. So but only because Hogan's apparently going to get her some acting deals somehow. I uh, some he said something about like how he's going to get her like a three picture deal. I'm like, yeah. if you could pull it off for Elizabeth, like, <laughs> yeah, good for you, man. That'd be yeah, something. Yeah. She obviously doesn't know what to say ever. <laughs> right. Going by this episode, yeah. Her 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 like catchphrase is, "I don't know what to say." <laughs> it's complicated. Yeah. I don't know what to say. Yeah. All um, right. Well, over on the other channel in our raw recap, Steve Austin defeated Jake Roberts. The Godwins defeated the Grim Twins. Uh, which apparently was a name for the Harris twins at one point. Oh, yeah. Before. Grim twins? I don't know if maybe they were just enhancement talent that week and well, they, it was before they got a proper gimmick. They had already been on TV before as the Blues Brothers. The Blue Brothers the, or yeah, whatever. The, yeah, the, 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 the right. Bruise. The Bruise Brothers. Bruise Brothers? Bruce Eli Brothers. and Jacob Bru- yeah. Blue? No. Sure. Whatever. I remember they were there yeah. for a little bit, but. Savio Vega defeated Razor Ramon versus disqualification uh, via disqualification when Diesel interfered. Dastardly <laughs> Diesel. Wait a minute. <laughs> Jim Cornette and Vader defeated Jose Lothario and Shawn Michaels. And uh, also in some kind of segment, I didn't watch it. I'm just kind of reading notes uh, in some kind of segment. The roadie debuted. I think that's one of the first times where that sounds like a more interesting show. So yeah, um, even so- even though it's like because of goofy ass matches like. Oh, Jim Cornette wrestles? Cool. I like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I like to see that. In our ratings roundup, Raw came in this week with a 2.3, and Nitro beat them by a full point with a 3.3. Nitro had a 3.4 first hour and a 3.1 second hour, 
which is the biggest second hour drop so far in Nitro's two-hour history. Like Eric Bischoff said, it's the second biggest hour in wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is the fifth consecutive week that Nitro ratings have declined uh, from the week before. Okay. So they are on a five-week straight decline, and it's the second straight week and the third of the last four where there has been a major turnoff factor as the show has gone on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I remember the first one was the with the uh, sting, but the fake sting. Yeah, the fake sting the, caused people the, to turn off. And the whole yep. idea that like a lot of people turned it off, and maybe it's just becoming more of a trend now where people are like getting the idea during hour two of like, okay, nothing really happens after this. Yeah, or nothing good happens after this. All right. Well, that brings us to a little segment that we call "Observe This." Observe this, brother. Uh, actually, not a lot of notes in the Observer this week, so this is going to be probably the shortest Observer this ever. Uh, Ric Flair appeared at house shows over the weekend but did not wrestle. He saw James Andrews, as I mentioned today, who recommended surgery, which Meltzer still thinks will only keep him out for another month or so. Okay. Uh, I wish that well, were accurate. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Dave Meltzer is not a doctor either. so That's true. That's true. <laughs> so he's pretty much just guessing. The plan may be to give the NWO the Saturday night TBS show on an every other week basis. Again, it's like the ever evolving, like, we're, we're going to do something. Yeah, they know we they want to use this brand. <laughs> yeah, they never, and they never quite do figure it out either. Mm-hmm. Doug Furness and Dan Crawford are expected to sign with the WWF. Uh, another defecting ECW star is Terry Bam Bam Gordy. Oh, we talked about that last week, actually, because he's going to be the executioner. Oh, yeah. So that's an Ugh. old note. Yeah, because you, you had me try to guess that I was yeah. stumped <laughs> yeah. pretty I, well, hard. I, had I not been watching, I would have probably been like, I have no idea who it is. <laughs> yeah. All right. And uh, the only other note is an interesting, and I forget the guy's actual name, and I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i look this up and we'll talk about it next week because uh, I know it comes up in the, in the book Nitro uh, where I interviewed Guy Evans recently, that that book. Mm-hmm. They mentioned this guy. They've, they've got a little bit of a short interview with him, some quotes. Uh, there's a wrestler who was on the indies at this time who was brought in for a WCW uh, tryout. And that man's gimmick name was Big Sexy. He did not receive an offer from WCW. Okay. But uh, I guess they liked part of his gimmick. His, his name <laughs> got taken. Yeah, they just t- took it away and gave it to a huge star. And yeah. that sucks for that guy. <laughs> I never knew that story uh, until reading heard that book. I've never that before. Yeah, and uh, I was reading The Observer, and it did indeed say that Big Sexy was one of the guys who was brought in for recent tryout with WCW. <laughs> wow. So there you go. Just, just Big Sexy. That poor guy. What a, yeah. what a terrible That poor, poor, sexy guy. <laughs> All right, well, that leaves us with just one more thing in, uh, before we close the books on this Nitro. That is, of course, our match or segment of the night and our MVP. Uh, we will start with match of the night, and Rob, as our guest, we will start with you. Um, I would say the match of the night probably would have been. Oh God, is there anything on this show that I actually in? Remember, it can be a segment, so it can be a uh, promo. It could be uh, yeah. a funny line. We we really try to be generous with these. Yeah, I, yep. I I guess if I had to pick a match or a segment, I probably would have gone with the Eric Bischoff promo at the beginning of the show. Sure. Yeah. 
because none of the matches stood out to me. Mm-hmm. But the promo I remember even 22 years later. That's a fair choice. Dave, okay. what about you, segment of the night? Um, I, I'll i go with uh, with uh, Alex Wright versus Dean Malenko. Um, I've just I'm I've always been a fan of Alex Wright. I like the fact that he's back on TV. Um, hopefully this is like a like a short like program these two do before Halloween Havoc, which would be great. Uh, I would like to see like a, a more focused, intense Malenko against Alex Wright next week. Or I mean, hopefully I I right. honestly yeah. I honestly don't yeah. know. But um, no, I mean, and I like I like the idea like you, like you were saying, Tim, that um, the whole concept of of the high risk maneuver coming back to uh, bite him in the ass. So um, yeah, I would say I, I think that was a pretty decent match. Um, doesn't, there wasn't a lot of competition right. either, but um, I don't, yeah, I would say it would be a Malenko and uh, Alex Wright. I'm going to go with uh, Arn Anderson versus Chris Jericho. Okay. Uh, I won't repeat all you said, cause I agree with everything you said that there wasn't a, it's not like it was great. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of slim pickings. I thought that match, there was no obvious flaws with it which is more than I could say for most of the other things in the show. Mm-hmm. And I did really, really like that ending yeah. Um, yeah. with the lion salt being missed right into the DDT. I thought yep. that was great. Uh, I'll start off for MVP. Uh, my MVP is going to be... I'm vacillating between two choices. All right, I'm going to give... Uh, a re- I try not to do this, but I'm going to give a runner-up first, Kay. which is the Barbarian, just for fucking laying in with that power bomb Um, but I'm going to say Bobby Heenan because he had a couple lines that really cracked me up specifically I think the best one was uh, was the nasty boys Tony saying the nasty boys must be stupider than they look or I think Eric said it and then Heenan saying they can't be that stupid (laughs) that was just that that was so good and it was unlike his joke later where he kind of had a with the Hulk Hogan buried up to his neck in sand where that's like a canned joke that he already knew Mm -hmm. like the first one is him playing off in the moment something somebody else said which is something off the top of his head yeah which there's never been anyone as good as Heenan doing that Mm -hmm. Uh, and for that reason he gets my MVP Dave who is your MVP of the show um, I, I was just trying to think of it while you were um, discussing uh, or explaining yours. I I think because I like the way that the finish w- turned out, I'm going to give it to Lex Luger because I really, I, I, it was basically, it was like, I don't think I've ever seen the, uh, like the torture rack out of nowhere sort of thing. Like, I don't know if that will ever happen again too, sure. but that I, the way that he executed that, um, it, like I said, it wasn't perfect. But it was a it was a unique, a different way for him to get into the torture rack, and the fact that he picked him up right away, and there wasn't like a whole lot of like jostling around or anything like that. Yeah, because we know Lex Luger loves to jostle around, oh, especially yes. when it comes to the finish. So I I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt this week. So I'm giving my MVP for the sweet torture rack. All right, and Rob, who is your MVP? I'm gonna go. This is gonna sound like cheap for me considering what I do. I'm going with Nick Patrick. Nice, oh, nice. Okay, I okay. enjoyed the way that he sold, and I'll use the word sold, his mm-hmm. neck injury. Yeah, I agree. I enjoyed the little things that he did, like the, the argument with Teddy Long, mm-hmm. uh, ho- having his back turned for an extra few seconds while they did the Mongo run-in and like knowing – Going back to, uh, well, his neck is hurt, but not his ears. And then Nick Patrick just being a heel and just being like, well, Mm -hmm. okay, Mm -hmm. I heard that, you know. 
Yeah, and I enjoyed it. I agree. I thought I think I thought he did really, really well with all his heel mannerisms. Yeah, tonight. and and when you were like, or at least to me, when you were catching the the Nick Patrick interaction with Teddy Long, yeah, that it was just reminding me back of when we heard his first promo. Yep, and being like, that's right, this guy can really hold his own yeah. when it comes to like talking, and that's the reason why he's in this position. Yep, even though he there's a lot of the physicality about it that he doesn't really pull off very well for those weird finishes. But yeah, also just selling the neck. It was wonderful. It's awesome. It was wonderful. It was a little touch, especially since like the neck braces because he got like punch in the face. Like (laughs) it's so over the top, but he's like, Nope, I got to make sure people know he's really injured. Yep. All right. Well, Rob Page, you got any dates you want to plug your social media? What, what do you want people to Um, get at? I will be at, First Wrestling at the James Ballantyne Uptown VFW on September 15th. Unfortunately, that is completely sold out. Ah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I will also be at Pro Wrestling Battleground on September 22nd. I will be doing some ring announcing. Oh, fun. If anybody wants to hear these beautiful pipes. <laughs> but those are my two most, my next upcoming shows. Um I'm going to plug for you uh, the November 30th first uh, wrestling November show. November 30th, yes, I will we be We were talking there. about that in the car. I'm excited for that one. Joey Janela is on that one. Joey Janela. Uh, you should check that one out, Dave. Tessa he, Blanchard. Yep, Jimmy Tessa's Jacobs. on the show. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, because I, I saw that one for the September 15th, because yep. I saw that uh, that Viper is going to be yep. there. Piper that. Niven versus, oh, Piper. Uh, Piper Niven versus uh, Mia Yim will oh, be on okay. that show. Yeah, that's yeah. right, yep. Yeah, and uh, I, where can the people find you on the, the Twitter sphere? Uh, you can find me at Rob Effin page. Uh, yeah. All yeah. right. Well, Rob, thank you so much for joining oh, thanks, us to guys. discuss Nitro this week. This I, was fun. I appreciate it. I love talking old WCW. I could talk WCW for hours. Well, that's... <laughs> and we have talked <laughs> I know. I know it <laughs> for hours. Pretty much all that we do right here where the big boys play. 20 years. Nitro. Well, let me tell you something, guys. Nasty boys. If you believe that, you're dumber than you look. They couldn't be that dumb.